it's time to lock in. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, exciting, thrilling finish. Live from Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey LaBounty and Nick Wiggins. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it! Welcome to a football Friday edition of the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty, along with Nick Wiggins, joining you on this great Friday afternoon. Hope everyone's had a fantastic work week and all ready for this long Labor Day weekend filled with plenty of football to keep you busy as well and also we want you to download the free sound of mobile app to any android or apple device that you may have so you can correspond with us here on the app you can go ahead and give us your feedback and your inputs on who you think is going to win all of the college football games this weekend over this long labor day period and Nick Wiggins, I, I will say this, man. We actually had some great games last night and excited not only from a high school football standpoint, but from a college football standpoint, too. And there's so many great guests and so many stories we're going to get to in this three-hour show. Yeah, man. Look, we're going to talk about the Florida game last night. I don't know if that was one of the great games you were mentioning, the ACC merger. Uh, we're going to preview the big South Alabama game on Saturday. We're going to talk about, hey, Alabama, Nick Saban might not have officially named the starter, but we know there is one per leak or whatever. And then we're also, and this is why you need to get that sound of mobile at, because I know you're going to disagree with me at least. We have finalized our official predictions of who we think is going to be in the college football playoff and who we think is going to come out on top. And Corey and I were speaking earlier, and there's a lot of disagreeing. So I know you're going to want to weigh in on that. And I'm anxious to hear what you guys think, at least about what I had to say, uh, because I know Corey had some comments. Absolutely. (laughs) And great guest today, of course, Jake Crane from Crane & Company. He'll be breaking down his thought process and how he felt the Florida Gators did last night versus the Utah Utes. And, of course, he has strong feelings about Florida State and LSU on Sunday afternoon as well. Al Whedon will be joining us, my MCPSS television broadcast partner, to let everyone know where MCPS TV will be located this weekend. We'll have Tom Stipe. I'm looking forward to talking to Tom because Tom Stipe has – been providing over 30-plus years of knowledge for the Alabama Crimson Tide Sports Network. And Tom is always behind the scenes. But, Nick, kind of like when you're behind that glass and you're pushing the buttons and you're taking the phone calls, the very most important person is the person that you normally don't hear from or get a chance to talk to a lot. Tom Stipe will be chiming in about QB1 at Alabama as – Nick Saban had his radio show last night. Hey, coach, and we'll chime in with Tom Stipe. Brooks Austin from the Dog Daily, he'll let us know, can the Georgia Bulldogs, will the Georgia Bulldogs three-peat? So a great group of guests. We'll also squeeze in Zach Golson. 
Huge win for the MGM Vikings program, folks, Ooh. on the road at Troy last night against the number two ranked team in 5A, Charles Henderson. So fabulous show for you, Nick Wiggins. And we'll right. start off by saying Nick Saban did not want to come out with that depth chart, but I've been saying it since before spring practice. Jalen Milrow yep. is and will be QB1. And here he is, QB1. And I think most people predicted that. Yesterday we were talking about it, and it seemed like the app was agreeing with us for the most part. Our guests were agreeing with us for the most part because you and I both think that Jalen Milrow is going to be the guy. And look, let's see, even Nick Saban said, just because you're my starter doesn't mean it's set in stone, but this is who we're rocking with, with against Middle Tennessee. I mean, I think he's going to have a good game. It's just about can he make those right reads? Can he be patient? I think that it's Jalen Milrow's job to lose. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Ty Simpson, Tyler Buckner, both going to have factors within the season. But if you look yesterday at our guest during the Tide and Tiger report, Mike Gittens, he said, look, Robbie Ashford is going to be needed at some point in time for the Auburn Tigers down the season. If you're Jalen Milrow, there, there's certain packages and certain things he's going to do great. There's certain mistakes that he is going to make. But you always have to be ready. And Coach Saban, he made that known earlier at his press conferences in the season or during fall practice, just stating the fact, Nick, that the next person up always has to be ready. And you're only going to be as good as your backups are going to push you in practice. You're only going to be as good as what your backups do produce for you when they have an opportunity to be in the game. But no surprise there, Jalen Milrow will have an opportunity to go ahead and increase his accuracy. He'll have an opportunity to increase his poise in the pocket. And we'll see exactly where that leads for the Crimson Tide. I still say you can't get that done with only a couple of series, you need at least three series to be comfortable and get that offense rolling. That's right. Look, you talk about next man up and staying ready in that Utah-Florida game last night. The Utah third-string quarterback was ready. See, Andrew Spivey was talking about the backup quarterback throwing the picks, but it was the third-string quarterback who was running all over Florida. And look. In Michael Bronner's staff predictions article, I picked Utah. Yesterday, I said, you know what? I think <laughs> I might go Florida. Let's just erase that. We're not going to, you know, if you the written word says that I picked Utah, so that's what we're going to stick with. <laughs> Guys, Florida sucks. They're soft. They're incompetent. The offensive coordinator, he was playing Minesweeper on his BlackBerry, man. He wouldn't call him plays. I don't know what the heck was going on. And, and, it, and it seemed like there was hope. But then they grind out that drive, couldn't do anything in the red zone. All right, fine. Maybe there, it's going to be, what, 7-6, to six, take the field goal. They missed the field goal. Oh, my God. And, then, and it just went downhill from there. I know it was only 24-11, to 11, but it felt like a way bigger blowout than that. I don't understand how you're an SEC team and you're soft. And that's why I think all the other SEC teams that they play are going to really kill them. Here's one better for you, Nick Wiggins. The Florida Gators, guess how many team rushing yards they accumulated last night? I know it wasn't 200. And, and, and that's kind of what I thought ETN would have at least 125 to yeah. 130 yards. What was the number, Corey? 13. 13 rushing yards. Total rushing yards for an SEC uh. team. Now, 
negative 29 for Graham Mertz, of course, negative in, in regards to him taking sacks. But right. seven carries for 25 yards for ETN, not going to get it done if you're the Florida Gators and Coach Billy Napier. So I, I just think that they threw the football all around, but the productivity, folks, 24 to 11, the final score. Utah scores on the first play of the game, Nick. You score on the first play of the game, and you're absolutely shell shocked and shook. You only have three points at halftime. You miss a field goal for an opportunity to go ahead and cut into the deficit. If there's one thing that we can know and say about this Florida Gators offense, they're not going to have, they're not going to be able to miss field goals. They're going to need all the points they can get. And, Nick, on third down, you know what we call third down in the coaching world? What's that? That's money down, Nick. Third down, you must convert or get off the field. Third down efficiency for the Florida Gators last night, one out of 13. One out of 13. That's not going to get it done for the Florida Gators. One out of 13, you're not able to produce. Now, Utah was only three out of 13, but as far as getting a chance to, to show the world and the nation that the Florida Gators weren't going to be teethless and we're going to have some bite in them this season, yeah. They missed the well, boat on and that. Look, one. we talked about his Billy Napier on the hot seat, and we all said no. He's part. It's part of this whole rebuilding thing that they're doing at Florida, which I get. You give some leeway there, but if you're gonna get embarrassed by Utah, yes, embarrassed. They looked incompetent out there. You, they're gonna get embarrassed some more this season, and the back part of their schedule is very, very difficult. It is not – no one is going to be singing Napier's praises at the end of the season. Florida is not going to win over four games. I don't know what their over-under was, but, man, do I wish I would have slammed the under at this point. Florida's bad, man. Florida is bad. It's going to be a long year for the Florida Gators, and we kind of talked about you know they're going to lose to Tennessee. You know that they're going to struggle – and and probably get beat real bad against Georgia. You know they're losing to LSU. You know they're losing to Florida State. They may be competitive against Missouri, Arkansas. They'll go ahead and beat Vanderbilt, and I think Kentucky has their Hopefully. number two. So sub-500 at best, one game under 500 for the Florida Gators coming up this season. One of the toughest schedules in the country, yeah. but – you needed to show up last night, and, and that was not the case for Florida. You talk about tough schedules. You know, a potentially tough schedule just from a gas mileage standpoint is what the ACC is looking at now. So they're looking to expand. There's the rumors that Florida State and Clemson might want out. So, you know, they're they've sent invites, official invites, to Cal, Stanford, and who, who else was it again? SMU. SMU. Now, all of a sudden... Uh, there's going to be potential issues here, man. I know, like, many people have brought it up. Like, what about the volleyball team? Like, oh, gosh, I can only imagine. The football team makes money, so you can – the traveling makes sense. But, I mean, they're doing this to in, in the uh, expectation that Clemson and Florida State are going to want out. That conference isn't good. Even though you're bringing these three teams in, if Clemson and Florida State aren't there – 
That is not a good conference. It's called the all-cross-country yeah. conference now. That's what the ACC stands for. And if you look at SMU, SMU is not worried tremendously about having revenue and, and television dollars. Stanford is one of those schools that is successful in each and every sport across the board. You you find them being competitive in every sport that they offer as an institution. And Cal saying, look, we'll just go ahead and jump in. But they're doing so in one in which the monies that are going to be garnered by the other members of the ACC is going to be much greater. And it's kind of, look, I need, a, I need a dance partner real quickly so I don't go to this thing solo. And that's really what it boiled down to. It's, it, it didn't have to do with, like, Texas and Oklahoma coming in and enhancing, making the SEC a multibillion-dollar brand. That's not the case. You do have the ACC that continues to expand now to 18 members, 18 members in the ACC, and one of those or two of those being all the way on the West Coast, Stanford and California. So you can take geography lessons and throw them out of the window in regards to what you were raised on and what the traditional thought process is for any conference across the country for certain. Yeah, college football is going to look a lot different in the next five years. I mean, it already looks way different than it did five years ago in, in, in tons of different ways. Got a question here in the app. How long before the Lane Kiffin to Florida rumors start? I don't think that's really an upgrade over Ole Miss. I didn't necessarily think that going to Auburn is a big upgrade over Ole Miss. Florida, definitely not. I think everyone kind of thinks Lane Kiffin is just waiting for Alabama to open up one day. But Ole Miss is not doing bad. I think I think Lane Kiffin's comfortable in Ole Miss. I don't know if he wants to go to potential discomfort in Florida. What what do you think about that, Corey? No, Florida for Lane Kiffin, yes, it's bigger. Yes, it's back by the beach. But as far as Lane Kiffin being associated with Florida, way, way too early trained on that one. Because I've said Coach Napier's seat is hot, without question. It is hot, but he's anti, not going to be removed. Anti, you just called in. I accidentally hung up on you. Call back and we'll put you on. All right, continue, Corey, my bad. No, no, it, it, it's one of those situations, Nick, to where no matter how hot his seat gets at the end of the year, even if he's two or three games under 500 at Florida, he's still going to be fine. It's just you, you can't go and get embarrassed and beat by four and five touchdowns and expect to continue to be the head coach at Florida. Anti-Rassi, welcome and good afternoon. Hey guys, thanks for taking my call. Okay, I got, I got, I got something for both of you. All right, first Triple G, I love you, but dude, did you seriously just say that Auburn and or Florida are not a significant upgrade over Ole Miss? Are you on crack? What the, is wrong with listen. you? Ole Miss has never even won the West. They've got one title from before your daddy was born. They are an absolute joke. Florida is a juggernaut. They're just down right now. Auburn, outside of Mr. Potato Head, has had a coach go to the SEC title game and or national title game every single time since Pat died. Auburn is a massive 
football school, as are the Florida Gators. Do they stink now? Yeah. But to say that either one of those two juggernauts are not a massive upgrade over Ole Miss, got to stop drinking before you go to work. Listen, man, listen, listen, listen. Go ahead. Go ahead. Lane Kiffin has been at Ole Miss a number of years now. He's uh-huh. created everything he wants. Wherever he goes, Auburn or Florida, he's restarting. It's a whole reset. Who's going to win more games this year, Auburn, Florida, or Ole Miss? Auburn will win more games than Ole Miss. That's he bold. lost his last five, and he's been there for four years. He, he barely beat Potato Head, for goodness sake. I mean, come on, dude. Look, I, man. I will bet you a sandwich. You and I, end of the season, I'll bet you a sandwich somewhere at your favorite sandwich joint. Listen, listen. More when, than Ole Miss does when you're walking, the the when you're walking through the mall with your wife, sometimes you're going to see some better looking women walk by. <laughs> but you've put in I'm the years married. with the one that you got, and you know that you wouldn't leave her. <laughs> All right, speaking of drinking, Corey LeBounty. Yes. I don't know if Triple G told you about this. But when he was on the morning show, and you started on this new show, I talked about the final drive drinking game. So yesterday, you blew it up, man. In the first 20 minutes, you said, (laughs) of course, go ahead, Alabama Crimson Tide, and as far as first 10 19, 21 times. Anybody who played the game yesterday was <laughs> under the sheet, face down, on log before 3.30. So kudos to you for knocking down the park. Trademark, brother, trademark. I, I, I said it yesterday in the, in the app. It, it doesn't get any better than that, anti-Rassy. I love it when he listens. I love it when he calls. He's I love it he's when he's guy. paying attention. That's great stuff, man. 21. But, Look, that's the under. You taking the over or the under today? Now I'm now I'm gonna I can't help but not maybe keep an ear out. Okay, the over. You need, hey, you need to add to that toe to leather. Well, see, I can only use that <laughs> during yeah. football time. Yeah, yeah during yeah. during football time, toe to leather. Of course, that's what we do. There you go, right there. Of course, maybe a couple more. Of courses, user in the app. How much better would Lane? Kiffin's recruiting be at Florida if he had that Florida Gators money. I will say this. How much tanner would that skin be, too? Hey, he's already done it one time down at Florida International, and it definitely would be a better chance for him to go ahead and utilize those Gulf Coast resources that Florida has. But the Grove, the Grove to me is a better atmosphere than the Swamp from a tailgating standpoint, even though Lane Kiffin doesn't get a chance to do much of that the final drive here on a football friday final drive corey labounty and nick wiggins will be right back hey this is showtime boxing analyst steve farhood and you're listening to sports radio 105.5 wnsd all right listen guys if you thought my Comments there about Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss were crazy. And you are going to really have some issues with my Final Four college football playoff and eventual champion prediction. But before we get into the wacky, why don't we let's stay grounded, Corey. Let him know. College football 
predictions and scores are something we're going to look forward to every Thursday and Friday night as we have NFL that will be starting up on Thursday nights, Thursday night football, of course, also, also high school football along with college football on some Fridays and Saturdays as well. And we welcome your calls to this show, 251-694-1055. We'd love to hear from you. If you're not going to call, we'd love to hear from you in the app also. And we have a caller with us right now, Nick. Yep, St. David, what's up, man? Hey, guys, other than taking a nip from the Nick Wiggins uh, flask there at the end, thinking Auburn was going to win more football games than Ole Miss this year, uh, anti-Rasty was actually uh, right on point showing that why Corey is the brains of the operation here and not Nick. So, uh, I mean, uh, all, uh, just think of what uh, Lane Kiffin could do at Florida with Florida recruiting money and Florida's recruiting infrastructure in place that he can't do at Ole Miss. Now, yes, I know they're all SEC teams, and I know that they all have uh, you know good recruiting infrastructures in place. But you know, there's a upper echelon recruiting level uh, organizations, and there's mid-level organizations, and there's lower-level organizations. And Ole Miss, at best, is a mid-level organization, and Florida is a top-tier organization and can't, has the potential to be because they have the uh, the recruiting uh, the recruiting infrastructure in place. And I think uh, Nick, uh, I think uh, uh, Lane Kiffin would definitely be interested in going to Florida, especially if he thinks Nick Saban is going to stay in, uh, uh, at Alabama for another uh, up to five years before he before he hits the uh, hits the lake house permanently. What do you guys think? Listen. You guys, all you people care about is money, man. That's all you people care about. <laughs> Who was in the national championship game last year? TCU. I don't see them with the big recruiting budget. Lane Kiffin is happy. He's at Ole Miss. He's having a good time. He could have went to Auburn, right? We're all saying Auburn's so much better. It's such a better spot. Well, apparently Lane Kiffin don't know that. Or maybe he disagrees, right? Lane Kiffin is a smart man. He is a smart man in regards to how he manipulated that situation for his own benefit to get that pay raise at Ole Miss. Do I think Auburn could have paid him more money? Absolutely. Do I think that would have been a better match for him? No. Do I think he wants to go back to Florida eventually? Maybe to retire if he gets an opportunity to flirt with the Florida Gators the same way he did with the Auburn Tigers? Possibly. Possibly. But Lane Kiffin... Again, what has he wanted Ole Miss to make the Florida Gators want to go ahead and take that chomp and to sign his paycheck? And I know we have another caller on the air. Go ahead, caller. Yeah, I want to talk about the uh, the guy who called in and said that uh, Auburn and Florida were both significant upgrades over uh, Ole Miss and then accusing uh, you of smoking crack if you think otherwise. And yeah. I want to go ahead and uh, – just go ahead and let him know some uh, some national perspective, uh, so that he, he goes ahead and realizes maybe he's the one who needs to check what he's been smoking. <laughs> From a national perspective, first of all, let's start with Auburn. Um, I grew up in the state of New York primarily, and I can remember vividly a game which I, it might have been Auburn versus Syracuse, and I remember thinking, "Huh, I didn't realize Auburn had a team." And I meant Auburn, New York, not Auburn, Alabama. Because I didn't know there was an Auburn, Alabama. P- 
people in Michigan say the same thing. There's also an Auburn out in Washington. This ha- my point is, this happens everywhere across the country. Auburn can go ahead and say what you know, whatever they want to say. You know, we're we're an upper tier team. Here's the reality of it. Auburn has historically, throughout their existence, been an upper second tier team in the SEC. They might be one of the best second tier, but they're not the top. Let's just go ahead and be real about that. Ole Miss is also a second tier SEC team. They might be a little bit more towards the bottom. So how is that? Going from you know getting a grade of a 79 and moving up to an 85, how is that a major upgrade? That's ridiculous. It absolutely is not. Now, in terms of Florida, it is a significant upgrade, and it's not. Again, you're 100% correct. It's a minimum of two years if you turn over that roster with uh, the transfer portal before you're even realistically competitive again. If for anybody, you know, let alone, you know, you know, the continuity of what they have right now. And they seem to actually have a plan. Uh, and Napier seems to have the support of the athletic director. So I don't think he's going to go anywhere. I mean, fans may not like it, but the only advantage you have to going to Gainesville is you have the access to all of the recruits in the state of Florida and the state of Georgia, which I don't know if uh, anybody is aware of this, but they have these big birds that you climb into now and fly all over the country. So you can see all these recruits flying out of Oxford just as easily as you can from Gainesville. And it's not as though you have the appeal of, well, come to Gainesville because we're a major metropolitan area. Gainesville is tiny. That's it. I mean, there's nothing there except for the university. So while they do have a history of being you know, a good football team, you know, in reality, you know, other than Steve Spurrier and Urban Meyer, when has Florida been an upper-tier SEC team in terms of football? Because I can't seem to think of the coach. And if I remember correctly, Spurrier was there for like 20 years. He won one title. You're, you're right. So tell you're me right. again. Tell me again how that's an that's upper right. tier team. Hey, well, at hey, look, least call it's it, a hey, national we, brand, but right. that, I mean. Uh, uh, it's a hey, small upgrade. Hey, hang on a sec. <laughs> I, I will say this. We appreciate it, man. Look, we we got to keep the show moving. Uh, but look, a guy who I know has an opinion on that topic is our next guest. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Jake Crane, host of the National Sports Show. Crane and Company joins us. Jake J-Boy Crane, how's it going, my brother? Man, is going great. Are, 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 is somebody really making the argument that Florida's not a better job than Ole Miss? Because if you can tell me, name me the last time Ole Miss won the SEC West, I'll give you a thousand dollars right look, now. Listen, this is where how where it all started from, Jake. <laughs> the someone commented in the app, "When did the Lane Kiffin to Florida rumors start?" I said, "Man, that's not going to be a rumor. He didn't even want to go to Auburn. He's happy at Ole Miss." And then it became a whole thing where people were accusing me of smoking crack. <laughs> <laughs> and all types of other stuff. And then the last guy was on, I guess, defending me. Appreciate uh, you defending my partner, Nick. Thank you. I don't smoke crack, for the record. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I feel like you're Bobby Boucher talking to the kids' camp. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he felt like, for sure, Jake. And, and I will say this. The, 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 Florida, the Florida Gators were, were swept between a crack in Utah last night because I, I no matter what they did, it, it just really, really looked bad. And 
I just don't know if the Gators, you you know, you had that hot take last week for us in regards to the over-under for Auburn wins, but Florida Gators, can they hit five W's this season? Look, I, I hadn't gone three and nine in, in my preseason predictions, but l- listen, I mean, at, at this point, and, and I don't, you know, unless you've been in it, it's hard for me to explain. Dan Mullen left that program in a bad spot, not only from a debt standpoint, they had on-the-surface talent, but from a cultural standpoint. I mean, it was a soap opera every weekend between him and Todd Grantham. They didn't have accountability in that locker room. And culture, we talk about the three pillars of winning on Crane & Company, recruiting, development, and culture. And culture takes the longest. It takes cycles of leaders teaching the younger guys and the better players and the guys that are going to be the next leaders how to actually lead. So you look at their schedule this year, you look at their schedule next year, it's going to be tough. But if they give Billy time, he's going to be fine. Now, I came on here last week and said that Utah was going to beat Florida. All this, everybody, when they found out Cam Rising wasn't playing, just jumped on the Florida train like somehow the Utah coaching staff didn't know that Cam Rising wasn't going to be playing the whole offseason. So what does Kyle Whittingham do? He laughs in your face. When's the best time to throw a shot? How about the first play of the first offensive drive with your third-string quarterback in off-play action? That's the best time to do it. But that game came down. Florida had to go play clean. I thought Graham Mertz played better than I thought he was going to play, to be honest with you. Florida had to go play clean to have a chance to win that game because Utah is a better team, even without Cam Rising, than Florida. They've got one of the best defenses, maybe the best defense, that Kyle Whittingham has had, and Graham still threw for 330. I mean, what they were doing early was working. They'd go from 12 personnel to 11 personnel. They'd get an empty. They'd go to 10 personnel. But Florida, if you're a Florida fan this morning, you're sick because of the self-inflicted wounds, starting with the first drive. You had a third and one. You're on schedule. False start. You punt it. Utah goes and scores on the first play. You're punting or you're about to uh, get the ball back. You're, you're down 7-3, to three, it's 4th and 4. You have two guys with the same number on the field at the same time. That's inexcusable. I was a special teams coordinator at Division One level for six years. Florida's got one of the biggest coaching staffs and personnel systems in college football. That shouldn't happen, and that is Billy's fault. But Florida hurt themselves more than anything. That's basically a turnover at midfield. Utah didn't turn the ball over. They won the penalty battle. The punter may have been the MVP last night for Utah. He had six punts, averaged over 54 yards a punt, down him inside the three uh, or inside the 23 times. Florida missed a 35-yard field goal, and Utah just didn't lose it. I came on here last week and said that most teams lose games. They don't win them in this sport, and that's exactly what Florida did. But if you're a Florida fan and you want to fire Billy Napier, how about you do this? You get on your Google machine or on the Internet, whatever, and you go look at Florida's recruiting class right now. They're coming. Were they great last night organizationally? No, and Billy does deserve some blame. But if you fire Billy Napier, you've got to pay him $32 million, and then you're going to go the Tennessee route of recycling coaches year after year after year. And with what Georgia's doing, with what Tennessee's doing, with what South Carolina's doing, with what Kentucky's about to get back to doing, you better not do that. And we're leaving divisions as well in the SEC. They're gone after next year. So you're going to get a taste of these Western teams, too. So at the end of the day, I understand Florida fans being upset. But if you went out and played clean, Florida may end up being a better team than even I thought they were. We're speaking with Jake J-Boy Crane, host of the National Sports Show, Crane and Company. And college football arrived last night. And also, 
I think that UAB here is Trent Dilfer wise. I think they're going to make a little noise in his first year. Of course, you know, playing North Carolina AT&T at the same time, you still have to find a way to get those dubs and 35 to six, not too shabby for an opener. Well, I mean, uh, there's a lot of betters that thank Trent Dilfer for scoring that touchdown last night late, the same way I'm thanking Gus Malzahn and UCF for scoring that touchdown late. Look, Trent got handed um, a, a decent roster. I thought Brian Vincent should have got the job. I think it's ridiculous that he didn't after the work he put in and what he did as the interim there. That's a story for another day. I, I hope Trent does well. I hope UAB does well. But we're not going to know about Trent Dilfer until the end of next year and maybe even the year after that. But I tell you what, them boys down in Mobile, those South Alabama Jaguars rocking the Stormtroopers going down to Tulane, you better watch out because the 251's coming. Absolutely what, what, they're what you, coming. What do you think about that game out there in New Orleans, man? Man, listen, I think Tulane's got one of the toughest three-game opening sets of anybody. you got South Alabama at home, then Ole Miss, then you play Southern Miss, who with Will Hall, another guy that, that I think is a fantastic football coach, was a great player, father's a legendary coach. They better not be looking ahead to Ole Miss. Now, I know South Alabama's sitting plus six and a half. I think you'd be smart to bet that up to plus seven and a half. But South Alabama's one of the only teams in the country that returns their leading passer their leading rusher, and their leading receiver. And they're not going out there to lose. Kane Womack, I'm telling you right, they're not going down there. They're not going to be afraid of Willie Fritz or Michael Pratt or whoever Tulane rolls out there. I don't think you'd be crazy to sprinkle a little bit on South Alabama money line. But if you take it, buy it up to plus seven and a half and go roll with the punches. Love that about it. And, of course, also tonight, some great football, Georgia Tech and Louisville. What are you expecting out of this tonight's matchup? Man, you know, I, I want to believe in Haynes King, man. I, I really do. He's a tough kid, battled through injuries. But, I mean, for, for lack of a better term, I mean, he, he throws like a, a bad athletic actor that got hired to play quarterback in a football movie. I mean, until he changes that motion, and I like Brent Key. They brought in Christian Leary. They have a few pieces. But when I look at Georgia Tech, the secondary is their strength. They're going against Louisville, who Jack Plummers, who was with Jeff Brom at Purdue and then left, is coming back with Jeff Brom. I'm staying away from this game from a betting standpoint. Now, if you do want to bet it, the over at 49-and-a-half, I know it's been bet up, but it's in Mercedes-Benz. It's going to be on turf. I just have a hard time believing in Haynes King. I just, I, I'm struggling. I still can't believe Jimbo Fisher looked at him and Max Johnson and said, yep, that guy's the guy for sure. Uh, so I like Louisville on a money line in the parlay. If you're going to take anything on this game, I, I would, I would, I don't like the plus seven or the minus seven and a half. That's a bad number. I would get it down to six and a half, kind of go the inverse of what I just said for South Alabama. And if you're going to play the points, I guess play the over because I don't trust either one of these defenses. And Jeff Brom, from an offensive standpoint, is about as Professor Snape as it gets. He's got some witch in him. Man, man got them Uncle Rico mechanics out there, man. <laughs> I mean, dude, he's out there throwing like he's getting attacked by bees. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, <laughs> what, do you, what do you think of uh, Alabama, man? They're naming Jalen Milrow the starter. Good move, bad move? Well, I, 
I, I think all the guys are going to play. I, I think Jalen has the best experience. I know Tyler Buckner has some experience, but his experience is throwing to Stephon Gilmore's little brother at corner for Marshall. So I don't know if that's the best experience uh, of all time. I love the over at 51 and a half because when you play, I think they're going to try and play all three quarterbacks. And if they're going to find out who the guy is, you got to let those quarterbacks operate the offense. So regardless if you're up 38 to three in the third quarter, you bring that next guy in, you're going to let him operate the offense as much as humanly possible. That includes throwing the ball. I'm just having a hard time unless Jalen Milrow has made a huge jump as a passer because we know athletically, and making the routine throws, he's pretty good. Now, athletically, he may be the best athlete on Bama's team, so I don't mean to undersell him as an athlete. But when it comes down to the system that Alabama's implementing, a pro style, under center, play action, run to pass, pocket passer system, I don't look at Jalen Milrow and his game and his tape and say, yep, there's your pocket passer. I look at a guy that says he can create when he has to improvise. He's great outside the pocket. He's great in the design quarterback game. And who knows what we're really going to get from Alabama week one. This could all be a facade. Nick Saban could be pulling the greatest trick since the Joker conned all those guys at the meeting into giving him half the money. Who knows? But I do know this. They're better than Middle Tennessee. They need answers before Texas, who I'm very high on. I'm higher than the front row of a Bob Marley concert on them, That's comes true. into town. But I love the over at 51 and a half. They should absolutely smash Middle Tennessee State. So last time we had you on, you talked about, you know, your season predictions, your final four. We, Corey and I are going to debut ours today. We haven't gotten to it just yet, but you mentioned Texas. Oh, how can you guys not get to it before I come on here? I, I got to know, man. Well, I'm going to let you know. I got Texas finishing number one. You got Texas winning the whole thing? I think they're going to beat Alabama. No, not fin winning the whole thing, but finishing num as the number one seed. I got them beating Alabama. I don't think you're crazy. Riding that high the rest of the year, undefeated. They're number one. And then I got Michigan. I got number one. Hang on. I got number one, Texas. I got number two, LSU. Let's get there. I got number three, Georgia. I got number four, Michigan. I got Michigan beating Texas. I got Georgia beating LSU. We finally get the Georgia-Michigan matchup, and Michigan stops the three-peat. Hey, look, I got Michigan winning. Who do you have as your two seed? LSU. Mmm, so you got LSU beating Florida State and Bama then. Yes. Oh, you dirty dog. I love it. Uh, well, listen, I've got Texas going 13-0 into the playoff and losing to LSU um, as the two seed. I got Michigan uh, beating LSU in the national championship game. I can see it. I, look, if Texas gets past Bama, let's, let's right. be honest. Cause it, it, do you have Quinn Ewers winning the Heisman? I haven't even done my Heisman predictions, but I mean, if they finish number one, he has to. So yeah, sure. That, that's who I got winning my Heisman. Listen, me and you are speaking the same we language. Really bro. We really are. We really are, man. <laughs> Jake Crane, <laughs> Crane and Company on the same wavelength. If Nick Wiggins, I, I will give. We got about a minute and a half left with you right here, Jake. I want to. You you just kind of spilled the tea there with LSU and, and how they're going to handle the SEC in regards to what they can do, maybe possibly against. Georgia, but what are your thoughts on LSU Florida State? Man, I love this game. Uh, it's it's the best talent matchup 
side for side, and the margin for error in this game is going to be so small. The matchup everybody needs to look at, right? There's two of them. Harold Perkins versus Jordan Travis, because they're going to spy Jordan Travis like 007. It's going to be a James Bond situation on defense. If Jordan Travis goes up to the bathroom, Harold Perkins will be there to make sure he washes his hands. But in the red zone, this game is going to come down to who can score touchdowns and who's going to kick field goals. And the best matchup in the red zone is tight end. So I think whoever has a better game between Mason Taylor from LSU and Jaheim Bell from Florida State, that's going to dictate who wins it. Because the tight end that can block and run routes, just like a nickel that can be heavy against the run and defend the slot guy, they're like unicorns. There's not a lot out there. It's one of the hardest positions to recruit. They're faster than the linebackers are. They're bigger than the safeties are. And when the field shrinks, it's one of the best matchups. I think Jordan Travis is a better runner than Jaden Daniels. Jaden Daniels is a better thrower than Jordan Travis. Special teams, I think, is going to be a wash. LSU's been 13 flavors of pissed off about this game since last year. It's the greatest insurance game of 2023 when it comes to winning and losing. If you win, it buys you a loss. If you lose, you can still run the table and get to the playoff. Give me LSU 34-31. They win it by three. I like Brian Kelly, the organization, sneaking one out at the end. I'm with you. I like the Tigers too. Jake Crane, Jake J-Boy Crane joining us every Friday here on the final drive. How can everyone check in to all your tremendous college football coverage that's wall to wall? Well, guys, I appreciate it. Love coming on with y'all talking ball. It's the greatest time of the year, Christmas. Forget about it. Who cares? It's college football season. Uh, we've got our, our new game day show. We're premiering every Saturday. Uh, it comes on at 8 a.m. Central. We have Jeff Jeff Foxworthy uh, as our guest guest picker for week one. Nice. Go to Crane and Company on YouTube, C-R-A-I-N-N Company. Hit that subscribe button. We're almost to 100,000 subscribers. I can't say thank you enough. We, we're going to live stream the Florida State and LSU game. We're going to be breaking down the play. It's me, former Michigan quarterback David Cohn, former Western Colorado wide receiver Blaine Crane, my brother, or the ugly one as they call him. Uh, and we're going to be taking bets, comments, questions, all type of stuff. If you love college football and you love trying to win the water cooler and getting as close to the game as you possibly can, come check us out. Corey, I didn't get your playoff four. Don't think I forgot. No, they're coming to you. Hey, real quick. This you together, you, man. Hey, look, you know you're a redneck if. Fill in the blank. That's exactly right. <laughs> I love it. Jay Crane, we'll come back to you next Friday. Look forward to chatting with you. Sounds good, boys. Here's your sign. Jake J. Boy Crane joining us here on The Final Drive. Hey, this is David Morris of QB Country. When I'm in my car, I always have it tuned in to 105.5 WNSP, the sports station. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corla Bounty along with Nick Wiggins joining you on this game day, Thursday edition of the final drive. Of course, we have high school football action for you tonight on WNSP. Williamson hosting the LaFleur Rattlers at Ladd Peebles Stadium and a little bit more of high school football action going up a little bit north of us. The MGM Vikings, number nine ranked in 7A, will take on the number two ranked team in 5A, Charles Henderson Trojan. So high school football along with college football on tonight on ESPN as the Florida Gators take on the Utah Utes. And who better to talk Florida Gators football with than Andrew Spivey. Again, he covers the Florida Gators for GatorCountry.com. Andrew, how's it going, my friend? 
Good. Thanks for having me on, and uh, good night. Uh, good night for me. You know, hopefully the Vikings will take care of uh, business and uh, keep rising up them poles. Absolutely, it'd be great to see them go on the road and start two and zero for probably one of the first times in school history. But trying to make history tonight are the Florida Gators going on the road to play the nationally ranked Utah Utes. And Utah hasn't lost a non-conference game in 16 years. And Utah trying to make Florida only their second SEC win ever. And the last time that Utah was able to defeat an SEC team, it was the Alabama Crimson Tide in 2009 Sugar Bowl. Yeah, that was a uh, that was that was a good game <laughs> uh, for Utah, uh, not for Alabama. But yes, uh, a lot of things. You know, first time for Florida to have a true road game to start out the uh, or for a non-conference game since '91. Uh, you know, first time for Florida to go out to Utah. Uh, Utah's got the the home field advantage, but they also have the altitude playing in their uh, uh, favor out there. So there's a lot of you know firsts for this team, uh, and you know it, it, you're going to go into this game with uh, Graham Mertz making his first start for Florida, and then a, a former walk on at uh, Utah and Bryson Barnes getting only his second start in college, um, as he had one start last year for Utah. So uh, a lot of storylines going into this game, a lot of question marks and you know for a team like Utah who has such high expectations you go into this game wondering what you're going to get from them without rising without their their tight end and you know with a new running back in the uh in the uh, starting lineup for them a lot of a lot of question marks for both teams you know you're talking about storylines another storyline is that this is and I, I found this hard to believe when I read it this is Florida's first non-conference away game that they've played outside of the state of Florida since Syracuse in 1991. Does that mean anything that, you know, we're not just playing there at Florida? Yeah, and that's what I had mentioned just a second ago. So, you know, that's a, that's something that Florida hasn't, you know, really had to prepare for. I mean, you know, they've had neutral site games. You know, they had the Michigan game a couple years ago where they were in Dallas. Uh, they had the Miami game, uh, which that was in Orlando. Uh, so they've had a few non-conference games. They had one in Atlanta. Um, had a few of those that's been there. But for as far as a true road conference game, it's the first time in a long time. Now, to be fair, going to Utah is it, tough, and the altitude and the, the home field advantage is tough. It's not Neyland Stadium. It's not Alabama. It's not Florida State. You know, it's not some of the atmospheres and environments they've had to face. So um, as far as the environment goes, I, I think they'll be fine. Uh, I'm watching the altitude thing. Uh, that's been a big topic for everyone. Uh, Billy Napier did a lot of research, talked to a lot of NFL teams about that, and he said the best that they found out the best thing was to get in and out to spend about 24 hours there, and, and you should be good. So uh, we'll see. You know, in the fourth quarter, is Florida gassed and not able to catch their breath, or is the research right? Now, Utah is still looking like a favorite right now, you know, in the betting odds against Florida, but their quarterback is out. I mean, quarterback, you know, we say it's the most pos important position in football. Even with this starter out, are they, are they still a big favorite in your eyes? I mean, well, I guess probably not because you're a Florida guy, but I mean, who is this backup quarterback? Is Utah still going to be really good? 
Yeah, I mean, he had one start last year, was through for over 400 yards, but had two interceptions in the game, or four interceptions in the game. Uh, you know, I, the, the line moved from eight and a half to start to, to five, according to some. Uh, I, you know, I personally don't don't know that you can say they're a five-point favorite without their starting quarterback, a guy who's a former walk-on now starting. Uh, you know, in this game, I, I don't know that you can say that. Uh, you know, obviously, Florida is – not a you know overly great offensive team with Graham Mertz as their starter. Um, so I you know I kind of think it's a little even there. I think the defense and, and running game is going to win the game. And you know if you look at the running game, I think you you like Florida's running game a little bit. Now the big question for Florida is their starting center Kingsley um, is questionable, highly questionable. I would say probably doubtful uh, for this game uh, with a, a foot injury. And so it looks like they'll be starting their backup, Jake Slaughter. So that could affect the running game a little bit. Uh, I don't know how you have, you know, Utah's a five-point favorite. I think it's a field goal game uh, either way. Um, but having Cam Rising is a, a huge advantage for Florida. Well, it's been a while since Florida has endured back-to-back -back losing seasons. And again, back-to-back-to-back Losing seasons are almost unheard of within the Florida Gators history of football. Will the Gators be able to find a way not to go into a losing season at six and seven for a third consecutive losing season for the first time in over 76 years? Yeah, I, I think that they have a good shot to be seven and five. You know, I, I, I circled this a little bit uh, on our website talking about, you know, if, if Florida was to pull out this game against Utah, you know, and, and find a way to beat Tennessee, then you could win eight games. You could win nine games. If you drop both of these games early, you're going to win six or you're going to win seven, maybe. Uh, that. So I, I think a lot of it is, how these first three games go for Florida. If you're sitting three and zero or or two and one there, you're in good shape. If you're one and two, yeah, you got some some question marks, and that losing season starts to really creep in the back of your mind. Uh, recruits start, you know, getting nervous. You start worrying about that recruiting class that sits number three in the country right now. So, uh, getting off to a fast start these first three games is such a huge, huge advantage for Billy Napier and something they need. Uh, you know, I, that's why I think this game is very important for Billy Napier. It's, you know, I know some are saying it's the most important game for him. It's, I don't buy into that. It's an important game, but I don't know if it's the most important game. What I want to see is how Graham Mertz is going to be productive at quarterback for Florida, and will he be able to maintain that position for the entire 2023 football season or will somebody else surpass him and, and come off the bench and give him a run for his money because of course when you when you're playing behind someone who is drafted as highly as Richardson was in the NFL you don't really get a chance to showcase your skills unless it's in mop-up duty but quarterback Graham Mertz what can we expect from him yeah, I mean, you know, the the big thing for Billy Napier with Graham Mertz is don't turn the ball over. Don't don't give freebies away to the opposing team. Take care of the ball. You know, I, I, take what you what the defense is giving you. If they're going to give you the five yard slant, take it. If they're going to give you the over the middle or the swing pass, take it. Don't don't be somebody you're not. You're not Anthony Richardson. Everybody knows that. But you're also better at, 
than Anthony Richardson in the short game passing game. Uh, you, you know, you're not going to expect him to take off and run for that 70-yard highlight reel that Anthony Richardson, uh, you know, did last year. But you're also not going to expect him to overthrow fourth and three, uh, 30 yards over the receiver's head. And, and that's been a big message from Billy Napier is be yourself, but cut down on the turnovers. That was a problem for him at, at Wisconsin. And, and that's something that Billy Napier just does not like, does not want to put up with is turning over the football. He likes a guy that protects the ball. Uh, you know, goes on long drives. I've said this before, and you know, I think it. I think it's something Florida fans have to remember. Florida's going to go on a lot of ten and fifteen play drives this year to score. They're not going to be the most explosive football team out there. They're going to have to nickel and dime their way down the field, and that all depends on Graham Mertz taking care of the football. Uh, to answer your second part of your question, I think he is your guy this year, unless he gets hurt or it just the season goes downhill very quickly. Uh, Jack Miller's the backup, you know, on paper. Uh, I don't expect him to be a starting quarterback at the University of Florida. Uh, the next guy would be a redshirt freshman in Max Brown, who, you know, had a good fall, opened some eyes. I don't think he's ready to take the rings. And so I, I think that that's why you're going to have Graham Mertz be your guy unless he gets hurt or unless the season just absolutely goes terrible um, and he's turning the football over three and four times a game. You guys had one of the most efficient run games in the uh, in college football last year at 5.4 yards per carry. That had y'all ranked 14th in the FBS. What are you seeing out of that running back duo this year? And is Trevor Etienne the best running back in the SEC? Yeah, I mean, you know, you look at this running back room, it's really, really good. I mean, you know, Montreal Johnson's a guy who, um, you know, a lot of NFL scouts are very high on. Uh, Trevor Etienne's a guy that doesn't get the praise I think he should. Uh, you know, I, I said this, I, I think Montreal Johnson will probably be the featured back and get more carries than Etienne, but I think Etienne very well could end up having more yards and more touchdowns because he's a little bit more explosive. Montreal's the guy on fourth and one. You want him to ram it up the middle, and uh, Etienne's a guy that you're going to expect that you're going to throw him a swing pass and he's going to take it to the house. Um, so overall, I think this is a really good running back room. I think it's a really good uh, offense, and I think you can expect the running game to be very good. Uh, it kind of goes back to the question before on Graham Mertz, and that is if he's just really bad and they're able to put nine and ten guys in the box, you know, or you're not going to run the ball very often. And so I think the passing game has to be somewhat efficient for this running game to be as good as it can be. But this is one of the best running back rooms in the country. I will say this, looking forward to seeing Mobile's own and Faith Academy, Shamar James. How, how much will the announcers be saying Shamar James's name tonight? If Florida's defense does what it's capable and what it has all fall, Shamar James probably leaves his team in tackles. Um, and that's uh, because the linebackers are going to get a lot of play. They're going to be a focal point of this defense. They're going to play a lot of man-to-man -man football. Um, that's what uh, Corey Raymond and Austin Armstrong are asking their DBs to do. So that's going to allow Shamar to get some, some gaps, and he's going to blitz some. Uh, he, he's going to make a lot of plays on this team. And if Florida's defense is going to be good, it's going to be because Shamar James is leading that linebacker core and being the quarterback of this team like we know he can be. Um, he has to stay healthy. We know he dealt with a little nagging injury uh, some of the fall, uh, but he's back. And, you know, for everything we know, he's as close to 100% as he can be. Um, so as long as he's healthy and this defense is doing what we think it can do, uh, he's going to get his name called a lot. And he's going to be, if not the leader in tackles, one of the top three in leading in tackles for this defense. Absolutely love to hear that. And we'll love to hear your breakdown and analysis on the Florida Gators tomorrow. And people can keep updated on Twitter slash X, whatever you would love to 
to reference it to. How can people follow your coverage of not only recruiting for the Florida Gators, but day-to-day activities within the Florida Gators program? Yeah, absolutely. At Andrew Spivey GC on whatever you want to call it, X Twitter, you know, that app that we all tweet on. Uh, Gator Country on the same app and uh, on the web as well. And uh, we'll have podcasts, all that good stuff coming uh, after the game tonight and uh, uh, in the next couple of days as the season, you know, officially kicks off on Saturday when a lot of games get going and then Florida gets going on Saturday, uh, on their first Saturday next week against McNeese. Looking forward to it, Andrew. Take care of yourself, and we'll see if you and Nick Wiggins are both screaming Skull Vikings this time tomorrow as well. That's right. That's right. We're going to scream Skull Vikings. We'll be all right. It's uh, it's going up there and uh, getting some revenge last year. Should have won that game last year. That's right. Win, win, lose, or draw, I bleed black and blue. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I know so does Coach Spivey. Andrew, thank you so much, and we look forward to talking to you soon. Thanks, Corey. Take care, guys. Andrew Spivey, again, recruiting and football analyst for GatorCountry.com. What's what's your prediction for the game tonight, Corey? Ah, you know, I'm pro-SEC. Now, on that staff picks, I picked Utah. But I didn't know the quarterback was out. I didn't know the tight end was out. (laughs) I made that pick when Bronner sent me the email, like, on Monday. I'm rocking Florida now. Well... I changed my mind. I wonder if I – I don't think Michael's posted that article yet. I wonder if I can get him to change it. I'm, go, I'm going to go with Utah. Oh, you're going to go Utah? Utah at home. Oh, I see. I, I'm a big ETN guy. You know, Wisconsin quarterback. He said the last time that the Utah quarterback was playing tonight, sorry, he, played, he threw four picks. I know Utah's at home. <laughs> I know you're just like, oh, snap. I can see the wheels turning, Corey. I'm still – I'm going Utah tonight. I'm Utah over the, the Gators. Man. We'll see what happens here. A great college football game and a great high school football game here on WNSP. Hey, this is Ladarius Owens, former Auburn football player and current CFL player. You're listening to WNSP. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey Bounty, along with Nick Wiggins joining you on this football Friday edition of the final drive. And don't forget, coming up at 6 o'clock, we'll jump right in with Pigskin Pete as he prepares us for our WNSP game of the week. And, of course, the WNSP game of the week, Michael Brauner along with Brian Gennard. And you look forward to hearing high school football. We have you covered. But college-wise, Nick, yeah. you dropped your final four there in yeah, the app. So- Number one, this is how I have him finishing before the playoff starts. Number one, Texas. Number two, LSU. Number three, Georgia. Number four, Michigan. Texas is going to go undefeated but then lose to Michigan in the playoff. Georgia is going to go undefeated but lose to LSU in the SEC championship. Then Georgia is going to get revenge on them in the playoff. Then Michigan will beat Georgia in the national championship game. Jake Crane and I, we're thinking alike. Great minds think alike, right? That's what they say, Nick Wiggins. The stupid ones think alike as well. Well, if Texas runs the table and they're able to go ahead, let's say they lose to Alabama. That's their one loss. And then they bounce back and continue to run through the rest of their schedule. They're in great shape to be looking right at a college football playoff berth. Mm -hmm. I don't think that just a one loss – 
can keep them out of the college football playoffs, especially if that loss is early to Alabama. Same thing with the Alabama Crimson Tide. I don't think a loss early to Texas keeps them out of the college football playoff national championship talk. And there's always those predictions that come down to we all felt that TCU was not deserving to be in the college football playoffs last year as evident as the true beatdown that they received by the Georgia Bulldogs. There were a lot more matchups. Who's your four, Corey? Georgia one, Michigan two, Ohio State three, Bama four. So Bama loses to Georgia in the SEC championship that still makes the playoff. That's their one loss? Alabama only loss will be in the SEC championship. And then who wins in the first round? So it would be one versus four, Georgia and Bama. So who wins? Bama. All right, then who wins two, three? Michigan. All right, Bama, Michigan. Who wins it all? Roll Tide. Man. <laughs> Roll Tide, Nick Wiggins. Roll Tide, okay, my friend. Okay. Roll Tide. You're looking here at our number two coming up of the final drive. Al Whedon, MCPSS Television Network, joining us next. The Sound of Mobile presents For the, win. the final drive. No, they didn't. Oh, my gracious. Yep. How about that? With Corey Labounty and Dick Wiggins. For the win. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. Welcome to our number two of a Friday football final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty, along with Nick Wiggins, joining you this afternoon. And we want to thank everyone who is tuned in and listening to us this evening. And, of course, you can always get to the Sound of Mobile app. That's a free download to any Apple or Android device that you may have. So you can interact with us here on the app and my partner in the MCPSS Television Network High School Football Game of the Week is around, Al man. Whedon. Al Whedon, how's it going, my brother? Hey, my main man, 50 grand. Corey LeBounty is doing, it's going great. It rained. The rain is out the way, Corey. I'm super excited about our game tonight. <laughs> well, one of the great things that we're going to be experiencing tonight is the debut and the opening of Davidson High School's new on-campus football facility. That is correct. I sent a text to uh, Coach Rick Colley the other day. I said, hey, you know, have y'all got a nickname, a name for the place, or, you know, what we calling it? And he said, we just call it Warrior Stadium, man. And I was like, come on, Coach, you know, we got the war path. We got something. So we're, we're going to have, have some fun with that tonight, Corey. But it is the christening of the brand-new stadium on the campus at W.P. Davidson High School. So, Warrior Stadium is what it is. So, uh, we're looking forward to it tonight. Hillcrest Evergreen is coming down, and I have already gotten word. They bring in the band, and they bring in some more folks, and I hope they bring some Kaneka sausage as well, Corey, because I can't now wait. It's going to be a great matchup as they're playing the Hillcrest Evergreen Jaguars who lost a heartbreaking overtime game to the historic T.R. Miller team one week ago. So 
a jamboree last week for the Davidson Warriors to kind of soften up that stadium, a soft opening, so to speak. And now Hillcrest comes to town, and the Warriors have a chance to go to 1-0. That's true, and no worries about any issues or electrical or, you know, the speakers don't work. Uh, Rick Carley told me that they cut the lights on all the time. They play the sound system all the time. Uh, if folks can think about it, the where the stadium is, the, the, the actual turf, the field, that was their old practice field back in the day. So they have a new turf, a new field, a new track around it. It's in the same location, uh, just has – you know, it's a stadium. They're, they're seated. They're seats there now for folks. So last week they had the jamboree and uh, get uh, uh, Baldwin County. And uh, this week they're looking forward to to I guess you want to say get your first win in your brand new stadium and come into town as Hillcrest Evergreen out of uh, out of Evergreen. And, and the coach is a uh, first year coach, Corey, but he's an he's familiar with the area. He served as assistant coach at Spanish Ford High School and at Foley. That's coach Justin Norrit. And last year, Foley played Davidson. So he's quite familiar with the Warriors. And he's quite familiar with their all-state, first-team all-state running back, the uh, Coastal Carolina commit, Derek D.J. Butler. He's seen him up hand first, first, you know, firsthand. So he, he has information he can share with his team because they were 7A Region 1 foes as he served on Coach Derek Scott's uh, coaching staff last year. So looking forward to meeting Coach uh, Nord in person and seeing some of the Jaguars. Um, they have an interesting situation at quarterback. I, I mentioned he used to be an assistant coach at Spanish Fort. Well, if you remember a couple years ago, Corey, when, when Spanish Fort made that run to the championship game, they brought in a receiver to play quarterback because they had to make a move. Chris Abrams drained. And he's, Coach Norris says his quarterback now, Kevin Porter, Puts him in the mindset of Chris Abrams, Jane. He was on that staff when they made that move. Porter used to be a wide receiver. He's like one of the most talented guys on the field. He has dual threat capability. He has athletic ability. He's 6'1", 175. He's a junior, but it's his first time playing quarterback. So uh, we're going to see what's going to happen with that tonight as they go, go up against Davidson and see what, what Hillcrest Evergreen is about. A lot of people may not know it. Hillcrest Evergreen won the 3A state championship back in 2017. So this is a school that has championship pedigree, and they know what it takes to get the job done. So uh, they are a 3A school, and Davidson is a 7A school. But with Davidson being in 17 region, you got to get your games wherever you can get your games, man. So, you know, that's why you have a 7A school playing a 3A school tonight. You got Viger facing BC Rain tonight. I know you were part of covering that game last week against Blunt. What's the game tonight going to look like, you think? I think this is a real, real, real good game. It's technically, Nick, it's technically Viger's home opener at home. They were the home team last week, but that was at Lab People Stadium. Right. So they're opening up their facilities tonight as well. In this particular game, I had it circled as one of the backup games to possibly have this week. Um, if you go back a year ago, Viger was the defending 5A champ. And they beat Blunt 7 to nothing last year. And they went into this game on a Thursday night. And BC Rain upset uh, upset the Wolves. And they kind of like, kind of brought down reality, if you want to call it, for a lot of the Wolfpack fans because it was not the year they were looking forward to or expected. It was kind of a, a wake-up call. But that was a big win for uh, Coach uh, Yelding last year and the Red Raiders. And I'm pretty sure tonight he wants to keep it going. But that Viger, that Viger offense we witnessed last week against Madison T. Blunt was something else 
they basically just control the game by running the ball. After they realized they could physically dominate the Leopards, they just gave the ball to Carlos Benjamin and let him run almost 200 yards last week. So I think that will be a good game tonight, Viger and B.C. Rain. If we weren't at Davidson, I think we will probably be at that ball game tonight. Another game of interest last night, LaFleur at Williamson. How Williamson was going to bounce back, they bounced back, blanking LaFleur 22-0. to zero. So Antonio Coleman and them get it started the right direction. Blunt trying to bounce back at Spanish Fort. That's going to be a critical 6A Region 1 matchup early for Coach Ray Nelson. That is, Corey, and, and a very good point you brought up about Blunt and Spanish Ford, and as Nick brought up about Viger and Rain, 5A and 6A, they're going straight into region play. That's why this is not a region game tonight for us with Davidson. So Blunt goes from, oh, my goodness, to, oh, my goodness, facing, facing Spanish Ford. Now, Spanish Ford lost to Fairhope last week, a little slight upset. They were ranked number nine in the preseason poll. Uh, but that's, that's always a tough game for the Leopards to face. Spanish for So they got to go up on the hill, regroup, get things together, and try to get a win. I know Coach Nelson has a young team, as we talked about last week. He's got a lot of sophomores and juniors on this squad. But uh, at this point, the rubber meets the road. You're in region play now. So they won't get a break for a while. So every week it's going to be opponent after opponent, as we like to call it, Corey. You know it. 6A Region 1 is like the SEC West, like the toughest region in the state of Alabama. There's no risk for the weary in 6A Region 1. So the Leopards will probably have their hands full tonight as they travel across the water to, to take on the Toros up on the hill. Also looking forward to seeing the Carver-Montgomery at Daphne matchup. Kenny King having a chance to play a team that's not in his 7A Region 1. Again, you mentioned 7A Region 1 having to try to find opponents because there's only seven teams. So Carver-Montgomery coming down with that return game. Kenny King 1-0, good win as far as the way his Trojans were able to show up against the Panthers in Week 0. Yeah, they, they took the loss last year to Carver Montgomery, so they want to, you know, keep the winning going and keep the win streak going and get and get a win against Carver coming down. As as you said, they're going to play the the home the home team. I guess it's kind of a in the mindset of the revenge matchups because we know MGM went up the road and got the win last night against Charles Henderson. They lost last year to Charles Henderson, so we'll see if Daphne can. Uh, duplicate that for 7A Region 1. Can can they get the win over Carver Montgomery? As you just said, Corey, we talked about it. One of those out-of-region ball games. Carver Montgomery, a 6A school playing a 7A school. You know, 7A Region 1 only has seven teams, so you got to get your games wherever you can get your games at as best you can. Uh, it kind of is what it is at that point. But uh, I got confidence uh, Coach King and, and the Trojans can probably handle some business as they need to do to uh, get ready for region play because they'll go into it uh, that following week as they uh, get ready to take on Alma Bryant in week three. Or wait a minute, is that week two? I don't know, week zero. Man, it just it confuses me. I just know, to me, it's the second week of high school football. I'll put it like that. There you go, Al. And how can everyone tune in and watch <laughs> the fantastic game and the debut and the christening of this Davidson High School Stadium. They're on the campus that many people have driven by what we'll actually have a chance to see tonight as Hillcrest comes to town. 
Well, there are various ways. Uh, if you are a Comcast or Xfinity customer, that's channel 15. If you're a Mediacom customer out in the county, that's channel 81. If you are ATT UVerse customer, that is channel 99. Also, if you have a Roku-enabled TV or a Roku stick, kind of like a Fire Stick, just go in there and search for the MCPSS TV network, and you can get tuned in that way. Also, we air the games on Facebook and on YouTube. So it's very easy. Just go to Facebook or YouTube, type in MCPSS TV network, and you'll probably see a countdown saying, like, game coming up in an hour or two hours. And that's the way you watch us, man. Various platforms that you can view our games. We have a great time. You do a great job. Kimberly Dunn on the sidelines does a great job for us. And I just sit back and just watch all the fun happen, Corey. Just, I can't wait because we're in the – in the studio, in the, in, the, in the broadcast studio on the campus of Davidson High School. I'm looking forward to this one tonight. I, I hope we christen it right. And also, don't forget, uh, the undefeated team for 2005 for Davidson, their regular season undefeated team, they're going to honor them tonight. Uh, I don't know, before the ball game or at halftime, but they're going to get a lot of those players to come back and honor them tonight and recognize them as they open up the stadium. So that should be a real nice look for the Warriors. Appreciate you, Al. We'll see you here in a couple of hours. And always appreciate your knowledge that you bring, not only to the MCPSS Television Network, but your passion for what you do as well. Thanks for having us on, Corey. We'll see you in a couple hours, brother. Al Whedon, MCPSS Television Network. We'll see him in a couple of hours as the Davidson Warriors host the Hillcrest Evergreen Jaguars. But up next on the final drive, the Mary G. Montgomery Vikings, sure. Nick Wiggins, Two and o. says something special is going on in Sims. We'll talk with their head coach, who was victorious on the road last night against the number two ranked team in 5A. Zach Golson joins us next here on the final drive. Artist Daniel A. Moore, you are listening to WNSP Sports Radio. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labounty, along with MGM grad Nick Wiggins. Yes, sir, spell it backwards for me. <laughs> and of course, we know you can do that, brother Wiggins, regardless of what the listeners say. That's right. Kind of crack cocaine or you know whatever they say you're on by your college picks. It doesn't matter. Clean. We 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 know that you are on top of everything, MGM, just like Coach Golson was when they go on the road last night playing the number two ranked team in 5A. And, Coach, sometimes when you go 0-4 like you guys started a year ago and you look to try to have revenge games or one game at a time, you guys were able to look forward to going 1-0 versus Williamson. You were looking forward to going 2-0 against Charles Henderson. Those get-back games, you have to wait 365 for. You use that as motivation but your Vikings off to a tremendous start. Yeah, appreciate it, Corey. Appreciate it, Nick. Thanks for having us on, man. Um, we kind of, we, we're kind of having a re, uh, redemption tour. Uh, not necessarily revenge because it's not personal, but we definitely want to redeem ourselves from falling short uh, last year. And uh, so far, so good, man. We've had two, two good games. Uh, not as clean as we would have liked it last night, but you know, to go on the road and play a really good team uh, in Charles Henderson and 
to overcome a little adversity and, and win a tight ball game is I think it's good for our team. It's, it's good to be able to play under those conditions and, uh, and to find a way to win in that type of environment. I tell you, when you look at the quarterback play that you've received out of your South Alabama verbal commit, Jared Hollins, it's going to start right there. And the type of leader that he is, of course, he was our Crichton Optimist Club offensive back of the week recognized on Monday. But the ability to block out the travel adversity and just to go on a mission and stay focused and take care of the business that was at hand on a Thursday night, on a short work week. I know you were excited about the focus of your team. Yeah, I mean, he, he really is our, he's our guy, he's our leader. And, uh, you know, he honestly, we, he and I talked today, he, he probably wasn't his best last night. But then you turn up and you, you look at the stats and he's 16 of 20 for 200-plus yards and he scored three touchdowns. So, you know, if, if that's not his best, that's still pretty good. And uh, he had a few that he'd like to have back. But, you know, I, I thought the guys around him played well. And we had a big challenge up front last night, Zion Grady, uh, four-star player for Charles Henderson, just a junior. And then and they had two or three other D linemen that are really good players. And, uh, Jawan Boyd plays both ways for them. He's a three-star kid. is committed to Troy right now. Uh, he had a, he had a good night, but we were able to contain him on defense, and really we forced him to have to play the whole game. He played almost every snap, uh, offense, defense, and special teams. And uh, you could tell by the end of the game he was he was uh, pretty exhausted. So, you know, that was kind of our plan going in. We knew we had kind of a numbers advantage. And uh, we wanted to play fast and control the pace. And uh, we were able to do that offensively. We were really physical. Both sides were very physical. And uh, we were able to, to kind of get the last punch in there and, and finish on top. So. You know, you, you talk about uh, your quarterback and how elite he, he is. But, look, you're two weeks in, and you haven't allowed a team to score double-digit points combined. Both teams haven't even hit 10 points. Uh, what what are you doing at MGM to you know keep that defense so strong? Yeah, I mean a lot of credit goes to our defensive coordinator Alex Page and, and his defensive staff, Ramel Jones, Enrique Williams, uh, Keith Jones, Wayne Washington, and uh, Gerald Harris. Man, they they've really done a good job with our defense. Um, you know, we got some really good players. We're actually playing four or five sophomores, sometimes six sophomores at a time. And, uh, you know, that group is really strong. We're excited about them. And we just got a lot of good a lot of good playmakers on that side. We got a senior that's first time ever playing football. He had an interception, Jalen Gray. Um, you know, JT Busby uh, moved into Sims this, this offseason. He's our one transfer this year. He had two picks in the first game. Uh, John Robinson's our, our team captain on that side of the ball. Uh, he's done a great job, man. He had a, he had a big night last night. It was all over the field. Uh, again, so many different guys that are just out there making plays. Shondell, Shondell Harris and Devin Petway are two of our, our sophomore guys that have, have kind of got a lot of recognition early. Um, you know, got a few offers and things like that, and they they they've played great, man. Very physical, fast to the football. Um, so it's it's been a lot of fun to watch them play, man. They are super fast and physical, and it's starting to click for them on that side of the ball.
Man, I, I don't know if your team needs any more fuel because they already seem pretty gassed up. But, you know, if they kind of – when the disrespect drives them to kind of prove the haters wrong, I'm right here on Max Preps. They got the Williamson MGM score wrong. And then they have you losing to Charles Henderson, 19 to seven. They got your record at one and one, man. Come on, Where's coach. Respect, still tied. Respect. Still tied. Our listener pointed that out to us, coach. You, you got to put some respect on Sims. <laughs> I got to do something about that. Maybe I can get an email in to Max Preps and we can get that fixed. So, yeah, we don't. We haven't really paid too much attention to that. We've been trying to study the film from from last night and and get ready for a Foley team that's going to be really good next week. We're thankful to get an extra day of prep on them. I think that could be a big advantage for us. Uh, they're, they're, they're going to be well coached and uh, have a really good team. So I'm, I'm excited about that, get them at home, be our first home game. That's going to be a lot of fun, man. It should be a great atmosphere. And, of course, one of the best photographers in all the world, Helen Joyce, says, Go Vikings. Coach Golson has made a big-time impact, not just for the Vikings, but for the Sims community. And I, I tell you, Coach, it, it's just one of those things growing up as I spoke to the Sims Chamber of Commerce along with my partner here, Nick Wiggins and Kelly Finley. Mm -hmm. you, you can see the passion. You can see the drive. You can see the dedication by your coaching staff and again iron sharpens iron and that's exactly what has been done throughout that entire community the love the support none more important though than next week's huge matchup a 7a region one matchup with the defending 7a region one champions foley lions coming to sims yeah it's going to be big time man our community has been unbelievable um, since day one, they have they have really shown us nothing but love and support. Uh, everybody kind of knows the story of it, how we didn't start out the way we wanted to last year, but they stayed behind us and stuck with us and helped us kind of get on this this role that we're on and, and have fed off we fed off each other throughout the off season. Joyce and all the people in the city of Sims, Mayor Van Hook. You know, everybody that's part of our community really has rallied behind this and are excited to see football uh, competitive. And, you know, all the way down from our youth league, our Sims uh, middle school won last night. I got a big win over Denton, so I was excited about that. Coach Wooten's doing a good job there, man. And so just happy that, uh, you know, we're able to make a difference. I think that's why we get into this. You know, hopefully you try to have a, an impact on people's lives. You know, as coaches and teachers, you know, that's really the, I'd say, the, probably the number one reason people get into it. And so when you're able to actually see that and feel that on a daily basis, it, it, it definitely makes a difference. Uh, you know, we're having a lot of fun, man. Our coaching staff is, is really close, and I think our people are feeding off that, and we're, we're having a ball coaching together and, and getting after it every day. Coach, we can't thank you enough for taking time out of your schedule to join us from breaking down film and want to wish you the best in your season moving forward as there's excitement in Sims, Alabama. And if you don't know about the Vikings, Skull Vikings, you're going to learn here with this squad that's in front of them as hungry as they are. And, Coach, Thank you, as always, for being so accessible and for giving back to the young people and making a difference in their lives, and look forward to talking to you very soon. Appreciate it, Corey. Appreciate it, Nick. Thanks for all y'all do, man. Y'all do a great job of 
highlighting our players and our programs. And, man, can't thank y'all enough for it. Zach Golson, head coach of the 2-0 MGM Vikings. And, listen, if you're a, a MGM fan, Go ahead, hey, go ahead and email Max Preps. Go ahead and right. flood Max Preps with emails from MGM Vikings because they've gotten it wrong. That's right, man. And look, I'm going to be at that Foley game next week, man. It's going to be a fun one. It's going to be exciting. Yeah. Can't wait, Nick Wiggins, just like I can't wait for our next guest. Of course, Tom Stipe. That's a name that if you're a Crimson Tide fan, you hear a lot of on each and every broadcast of Alabama football and basketball. The producer for the Crimson Tide Sports Network, Tom Stipe, joins us next here on The Final Drive. This is Will Herring, a member of the Auburn family. When I'm in Mobile, I listen to WNSP 105.5. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty along with Nick Wiggins on this fantastic and fabulous football Friday. If you love high school football, make sure you stay on board with us here on WNSP as we'll be taking you all the way till midnight right. tonight. Pigskin Pete's post-game show giving us a wrap-up on all the high school football games that are going on in the Mobile, Baldwin County areas along with throughout the entire state of Alabama. And as we're speaking on the state of Alabama, our next guest, Tom Stipe, producer and engineer for the Crimson Tide Sports Network, does a fabulous job of his coverage and getting everyone ready each and every Hey Coach show that Nick Saban was on along with Eli Gold last night, gets us ready for Middle Tennessee tomorrow night as well. Tom, always a pleasure and a privilege to welcome you to the final drive. Hey guys, it's uh, it's great to be on again. But I was a little confused. I thought you wanted to talk Braves Dodgers tonight. Hey, <laughs> Ravine. That one was pretty epic last night. Eight to seven. People got their money's worth for sure. Tom. They did. They did. You know what? Uh, I would, there was a day that I would have hung in there with every pitch, but uh, <laughs> I think uh, the Bravos were up six one, and I like, yeah, I can go to bed now. I wake up the next morning. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Hey, fireworks. Uh, two best teams in baseball. Uh, no question about it. And I, I will say this you know, we're not going to go to sleep tomorrow on the Crimson Tide because everyone has been daydreaming about who's going to be QB1, who's going to be QB1. Nick Saban kind of showed us the cards last night at Hey Coach at Baumhauer's. Officially today, Jalen Milrow named QB1. And I've been saying all since the fall and, and spring that Jalen Miro would probably be QB1 in my mind. But, Tom, any surprises there that Jalen Miro will be leading the Crimson Tide out for the first couple of series? Not really. Um, coach Saban has traditionally been a uh, next man up kind of coach. And um, I don't think that um, number four did anything to lose the job. What you've been hearing from coach is make me have to play you and I don't think anybody has done that so I would fully expect that we'll see a sprinkling of quarterbacks uh, tomorrow and we'll see what happens on uh, a week from tomorrow uh, coach said uh, last night 
This is the starting quarterback for tomorrow, period, the end. Uh, don't read anything into that, and uh, I didn't. And, uh, you know, we've seen this script before. It's been a while because uh, it's been a foregone conclusion for a few years, but uh, we've seen this before, and uh, we'll see what happens tomorrow. I think the winner of uh, the, winner of the uh, quarterback competition may be revealed to us tomorrow. We'll see. Looking forward to that, Tom, but also the shakeup in the Crimson Tide Sports Network booth as you have Tyler Watts, who will be not just off waiting, talking about post game, but he'll actually be taking John Parker Wilson's spot. So I know that that's a very exciting. Anytime there's a shakeup in the booth, someone that I know you're very familiar with and you communicate with on a daily, but that's going to be fun to listen to a new voice tomorrow. Hey, man, one number 14, another number 14, you know, I'm like, Coach, uh, make me have to play you. Uh, So we'll see. But, um, no, Tyler's a good guy. He knows the game through and through. We've had him uh, on our show many times uh, uh, pre- and post-game. So it's a little different role for him. But I'm excited to – I'm excited to have him in the booth. I just – frankly, I like Tyler a lot. And – any any uh, chance to hang out and watch a little ball is a good thing for me. You got Eli doing the home games this year. You got Chris Stewart doing the away games. How excited are you about you know giving Alabama fans kind of a different flavor on a, almost a week to week basis? You know the only flavor I care about is W's. <laughs> the and they taste tasting. good, don't yeah. they? <laughs> You know what? Uh, I have done a million games with Eli. I've done a million games with Chris. I love both of them like brothers. And uh, I'm excited anytime I'm in my chair. And uh, whoever's with me is who's with me. But we'll do uh, we'll do a great show tomorrow. We'll do a great show uh, every week out. I hope that's the goal. And uh, you know, next man up. That's uh, that's the way it works. Well, I I tell you what has worked is your dedication to the Crimson Tide. For our listeners here, of course, on 92 Zoo is how they can tune in to the Crimson Tide. That's our sister station here on WNSP 105.5. How many years will this make for you covering Alabama athletics? Well, uh, covering Alabama athletics uh, is a different equation because I was uh, did a little TV and uh, what I call real radio, like what you do um, uh, for a while too. But this is year four zero with uh, Alabama football. Four, I don't even want to say it, four zero. I just completed four zero with hoops. And um, hopefully I got another 40 in me. I'm uh, I'm not planning on slowing down. I, uh, I kind of like this stuff. I mean, this is my school, man. They, they pay me to be there. How, how, how much better can it get? No, it doesn't get any better than this. And also, you also look at Kenny King, who's at Daphne High School within your time and the 4-0 number of years that you've covered the Crimson Tide. Kenny King's a name that you've had a chance to look at the depth chart and, and be represented. He'll be coming up being honored by the University of Alabama as far as the Paul W. Bryant Alumni Athlete Award. So Kenny King will be definitely at the game tomorrow and, and being a, a, a recognized as an alumnus. Well, first, first of all, I don't know anything about depth charts. We don't recognize those at the University of Alabama. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, 
it just speaks to the you know the championship lineage is is obviously uh, uh, well discussed and 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 quite the thing, but uh, it also speaks to the uh, quality of people that have been around this program for a very long time. Um, you know, you 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 look at the Mobile guys. Somebody else looks at the Birmingham guys, but man, it's one right after the other. So they don't give the uh, they don't give those awards to people that aren't great people and and great representatives of the Crimson Tide. So uh, congratulations to him, and um, hey, there's a lot of them, and I'm proud of all of them. Tom Stipe, the producer for the Crimson Tide Sports Network, joining us here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. And within these last few years, you've definitely had a chance to see some magnificent quarterback play as far as whether it's from Tua Tungabailoa or Mac Jones or Jalen Hurts. Bryce Young, without question in my mind, is the greatest quarterback and possibly one of the greatest players ever in the history of the Crimson Tide. How happy are you for him to see him not only go overall number one, but the success and the smiles he's going to bring to his teammates for the Carolina Panthers? You know, the um, one of the things about being a Bama guy is that you just don't have that many firsts left to celebrate. And Bryce being the number one pick, well, there's one. Hey, hey, we don't get a lot of firsts around here because sort of been there, done that. But I'm really happy for him. He's a great kid. He is a magnificent talent. And, you know, I'm I'm not really a fan of any NFL team. I sort of like the Saints, sort of like the Falcons, sort of like anybody that suits up a bunch of Alabama kids. And uh, the thing I like to do on Sunday is uh, – is, uh, start thinking about who's on what roster and who I want to see. And uh, I'm just proud of all of it. And if you're sitting there as a five-star listening to my man, Corey here, uh, there's a reason those guys are in the league. So I may not be supposed to say that I'm an official representative, but uh, you know, the results are clear Uh, championships rings and uh, playing on Sunday. So there you go. Tom also, 1-0 is the goal. Of course, you know that Texas coming to town here in a couple of weeks, and you can get excited and ready for the raucous crowd that's going to be at Bryant-Denny Stadium. When you think back at your time, your home games, I've been to quite a few, whether it's Tennessee or Auburn, or when you look at LSU, sometimes when it gets bumped to prime time, what is the loudest that you've really ever felt to where you can feel the people vibrating the booth or or really just the loudest environment that you've witnessed in your time as being behind the glass with the Crimson Tide Sports Network? If you're talking about at home, it, it, there's just a little extra juice at night. Uh, the first night game that I have a vivid memory of was quarterback Mike Shula against Georgia on a Saturday night at Bryant Denny, and the place was just jacked. And that's been a long time ago, obviously. But um, just recent vintage, you know, the LSU games that have been at night, uh, you know, this Texas game is going to be crazy. But, you know, to me, I, I kind of look at it this way we spend nine months out of the year in the state of Alabama wishing it was football season. Yeah. 
Come out and see us play, for God's sakes. I don't care who we're playing. We're play, we're Alabama. You know this this ought to be crazy because you want to see the Tide play. So that's my take. Um, and I think we'll have a great atmosphere tomorrow night. You know what? One of the things that happens on games like this is, you know, maybe some families get to go because somebody let their tickets go. And, you know, I'm, I'm excited for tomorrow night. This is football season. It's the greatest time of the year. And uh, I hope it's Jack tomorrow night. Just to see us. It, Just it, to see us play. It really will be. Can't wait to hear Dixieland Delight crank up at Bryant Denny Stadium. The new LED lights that they put in a couple of years ago that add to the even better game day experience and none better than the Crimson Tide Sports Network bringing you week-to-week coverage of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Tom Stipe, the producer and engineer for the Crimson Tide Sports Network, joining us this afternoon on the final drive. Tom, how can people tune in or catch you on X slash Twitter or really the broadcast? Because I know you guys do something that I love to catch uh, when I have an opportunity to have my phone in front of me is really watch you guys and the reactions that are in the booth by not only Eli, but Chris and now Tyler Watts as well. Man, I tell you what, there is nothing in this world that has surprised me quite like the uh, Facebook Live thing. I mean, we get thousands and thousands and thousands of people that sit there and watch us call the game. And thankfully, at home, you don't see a whole lot of me. I try to try to make that so, but uh, the, you know, some some booths are different. But you know, people like to watch that. And you know what I hear that people do? If I had a dollar for every time somebody told me they wanted to turn the sound down on the TV and watch and listen to us, well, what people are doing is they're streaming the audio on the Facebook Live, and they're using that app as a way to sync it with TV. So uh, we're sort of providing a, a dual service. You get to see um, uh, Eli and Tyler's lovely uh, mugs, but you also get to sync it with uh, with TV and listen to the listen to the home team call the uh, call the tide. So uh, that is uh, that is something that I've heard a lot of. But we're everywhere. We're on every app there is. If they've invented an app, our guys are on there some kind of way, and uh, it's great to. Uh, Dominate on the field, dominate in cyberspace. Tom, can't thank you enough. Look forward to catching up with you definitely after the Texas game to talk more and to preview the Alabama-Texas game or to review it, so to speak. Always appreciate your love and your passion for your job and the Crimson Tide. And thank you so much for taking time out of your day to join us here on the final drive. My friend, you do a great job down there. Now, y'all going to lead us in with something down in Mobile? We're we're on three hours out. I'm sure you have another hour or two before us, right? Absolutely. 92 Zoo will be your home of the Alabama Crimson Tide the entire football season to where you can definitely catch all the pregame and the postgame as well as all the action throughout right here on 92 Zoo. Man, you put us in the zoo. I like that. That's where we ought to be. Yeah, I love it. I love it. When you have a bunch of elephants stampeding the way they're going to do this season, what better place to do it, Tom? That's right. Let's get through this week. Uh, Nobody gets hurt. Let's dominate. And next week, it's uh, Big Al versus Bebo, baby. I love it. Tom Stipe. 
engineer producer for the Crimson Tide Sports Network, entering year number four zero with the Crimson Tide covering them in the Crimson and White. The final drive here, Corey Labounty and Nick Wiggins will be right back. Hi, this is Saran Stacy. You're listening to WNSB 105.5. Welcome back to the final drive. And look, earlier in the show, we were getting into, um, we had a bunch of callers calling in. We got off on a tangent about should Lane Kiffin go to Florida? Is Florida a better job than Ole Miss? But where that all, that all stemmed from something. But what we were supposed to get to was our official college football playoff predictions. I'll reiterate mine. Texas will finish the season as the one seed. LSU will finish the season as the two seed. Georgia will finish the season as the three seed. And Michigan will finish the season as the four seed. LSU will beat Georgia in the national championship, dropping them from one to three. Then in the playoff, Michigan is the four seed and LS, I mean, and Texas is the one. Texas is going to lose. Michigan's going to go to the championship. Georgia LSU, the rematch of the SEC championship. This time, Georgia's going to get their revenge. They're in the SEC, I mean, the national championship. And Michigan is going to pull it out and halt the three-peat. That's what's going to happen, people. No three-peat no three for peat. Georgia. No, no, no. And then we got over here this guy. The homer pick. Yeah, you got to love the homer. I think that as Georgia, number one, to be the man, you got to beat the man. So they're number one. So they're going to beat Alabama in the SEC championship. They will defeat Alabama yeah. in the SEC championship. Yeah. Georgia's one. Michigan is two. They're the two seed. The three seed, I had to, I had to really – figure this one out and sitting on this because I was I'm kind of high on Florida State even depending on how they play against LSU it's not going to matter because it's early it's it's week one of college football so I just went ahead and put them on out though I went with Ohio State okay at three Bama's in at four Mm -hmm. so one versus four Georgia and Bama a quick rematch of the SEC championship. We've seen it before. We've seen it happen, the 2.0. We've seen in the regular season LSU defeat Alabama. And then for all the marbles, you see Alabama win the national championship. But this is a little bit different, Nick. This this is the two elite clash of the Titans before we go to divisionless football. Two and three. Michigan and Ohio State, same type of philosophy. You have Michigan beating Ohio State in the regular season Mm -hmm. finale, and then you have a little payback, a little payback going. So I I think that one, two, three, and four, Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, and Alabama, ultimately you have the Crimson Tide beating Michigan for the national championship. Now, what what does Alabama have compared to those other three teams that gives them the edge? What are they better at? 
You ask me what they have. Uh-huh. They have Nick Saban. Okay. They have Nick Saban. Right. So and when you and look, he, he wasn't and he wasn't there the past two years. No, not with those matchups. Okay. Not with those matchups there. <laughs> all right. Not all with right. those matchups there. <laughs> Let, when when you look at those matchups there that I'm talking about, Alabama having to come back from licking their wounds. You, you don't get the SEC championship ring, but you ultimately get the big bling. So you don't get those three championship rings. You go ahead and you're going to find a way to get the bowl championship ring and the national championship ring. You would love to have all three, sure. but, you know, you don't want to be greedy. That's what it is. <laughs> they don't want to be greedy. Yeah, you don't want to be greedy. Well, if that's if that's what you're saying, then, man, Nick Saban has been very um, selfless these past few seasons because he has not been greedy at all because he hasn't gotten anything. 2020 national champions, that's not too long ago, Nick. Now, remember, you're not going to leave from the University of Alabama if you spend four years there without a championship ring. It hasn't happened. It hasn't happened. No senior who has spent four years there has walked away without a national championship ring. Think about that, Nick. Until today. Until this year. Because Alabama's not even finishing in the top five, man. They're going to lose to Texas, my one seed, and then Texas is going to go undefeated from there on out. But why would Texas They're decide lose to lose the biggest game in the college football? They're, they run the because table and then facing, they lose it? Because they're facing their toughest opponent that they faced all year. Alabama's going to be their toughest uh, opponent. No. Michigan in the playoff because Michigan ends up winning it all. Coach Harbaugh, you, you're high on Harbaugh. Apparently, to some listeners, I'm high on something. <laughs> but yes, I'm high on Harbaugh. I'm high on Texas, and I'm low, 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 low on the 10 and 2 Alabama Crimson Tide. Well, I will say this Brooks Austin will have something to say. Of course, Brooks Austin being with Dog Daily and Fan Nation. We'll talk to Brooks Austin to see if the dogs can 3 peat to find out where our predictions are going wrong and to see if Kirby Smart will be the new king of college football forever and overtake Nick Saban. Brooks Austin next here on The Final Drive. The Sound of Mobile presents For the, win. the Final Drive. No, they didn't. Oh, my gracious. Yeah. How about that? With Corey Labounty and Nick Wiggins. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. Oh, oh, unbelievable. Welcome to our number three of a fantastic football Friday here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty along with Nick Wiggins joining you this evening. And of course, up until midnight, you'll get nothing but wall-to-wall of high school football because we'll have Pigskin Pete with his preview show. And then, of course, you'll have Michael Brauner and Brian Gennard on the call this evening. And then 
Pigskin Pete will be back in the studio up until midnight. So wall-to-wall high school football here on 105.5. And as we started wall-to-wall football coverage from a collegiate standpoint on yesterday, five days in a row is what we're going to get. To be the man, you have to beat the man. And, of course, the man is the Georgia Bulldogs, back-to-back national champions, trying to go ahead and do something that has not been done in the AP Wire era. Brooks Austin, lead editor, Dogs Daily Fan Nation, joins us here on the final drive. Brooks, how's everything going? I'm doing good, gentlemen. How are you? Man, absolutely blessed by the best, ready for some college football action tonight. And tomorrow, of course, everyone has picked on the Bulldogs and their schedules. I have given my CFP college football predictions. I will say that you look at Georgia at number one, Alabama at number four. In between, you have Michigan and Ohio State for the college football playoffs. That's my final four. Brooks, why is it that the Bulldogs aren't getting the type of national love that a back-to-back national championship really deserves? You know, I think a lot of preseason talk is is just that. It's a lot of talk, and and people give opinions that are popular, and it's kind of boring. The the Georgia wins three in a row take is really, really boring. For some reason, the, the popular opinion has become Alabama. Like the, uh, Think about that. Alabama's gotten to a point, or at least I should say, Georgia's won to a point now to where the, 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 the media darling and the media you know, consistent pick is now Alabama, the, the underdog darling. Hey, they're going to get back to supremacy pick is, is Alabama. So see a lot of that. But I also think it's a lot of people that maybe haven't gotten a, a, a true exposure to Carson Beck, kind of wondering what's going on at the quarterback position. But – uh, th- those same questions don't seem to continue to be extended el- elsewhere around the country. It's it's interesting. So so what is going on with Carson Beck? What's he looking like? Man, I, I, 6'4", 225, processes the game exceptionally well, deadly accurate, can make just about any throw. It's just a matter of whether or not he's going to be at, like, what, what he's going to look like on Saturdays, and we don't know that. Man, I was watching that, like, the McGinnis kid from uh, – from um, from Minnesota last night, and, and watching all these young quarterbacks nowadays, they all can throw the piss off the football, man. They all can just rip it at all times from all angles. But it's a matter of hey, who's going to be calm and collective on third and four? And and the word out of camp at the University of Georgia is that Carson's the, the, the interesting terminology I received was that he doesn't ever have high blood pressure. He doesn't ever seem to get rattled in in practice and in high-intensity situations that they put them in in-house. And uh, if you've ever been around a Kirby Smart practice, it's intense, but it's not a Saturday. We just don't know. I, and people like me that are in the Carson Beck belief bandwagon, if you will, that we're operating out of faith in the talent and, and, and the tricklings out of camp and out of all of the practice intel that we've heard from him for years. He's always been a tremendous uh, you know, practice player. He's never seen it on Saturday because it's never happened. Brooks Austin 
He's also the director of recruiting for Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation. And Brooks, if the Georgia Bulldogs are able to go ahead and three-peat, what does that do from a recruiting standpoint? We've already seen the most recognizable brand. And, of course, here in Mobile, Alabama, we no surprise that that does come from the Alabama Crimson Tide. But a three-peat and go ahead and fending off other recruits that Alabama and Auburn or other SEC schools or schools across the country want, especially now with divisionless football and I guess geographically correct football as far as conferences is concerned, what would that mean for Georgia? I, I think uh, recruiting is a resources battle. I mean, winning winning at a national level, a national title level certainly helps in, in a small percentage and such, but it's a matter of resources nowadays, and, and it's two different resources pools, right? How, how, how much resources and time are you dedicating to actually going and seeing and evaluating and develop relationships? And let's be honest, how much resources are you putting on the NIL front? It's interesting. Let's talk about two programs, Alabama and Georgia, right? Alabama and Georgia poured themselves into the resources of time, investment, and an evaluation on athletes and, and prospects probably more than any other program I study. Now, from the NIL front, they don't really play ball like that. Like, if you really read up on all the all the intel that you possibly can on name, image, and likeness and who's out here spending the money, not Alabama and Georgia. Alabama and Georgia are recruiting the same way they always have. They're pouring time. They're pouring time and investment and resources into relationships, not necessarily the NIL. So you're constantly going to see these guys recruited at an exceptionally high level because that's what it's going to boil down to, sure. Dollars and cents, it will impact that at the end of the day. But, man, these are relationships cultivated on three, four years nowadays, man. And having these guys on campus dozens of times, um, that's what it's all about. And putting that product on the field and, and most importantly, putting it into the league on Sundays. And, and that's, a, that's happening at Georgia and Alabama at an unprecedented clip. Brooks Austin, our guest here on the final drive. And when you look at your role as director of recruiting for Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation and being the lead editor for Dogs Daily Fan Nation, I think that the 2024 quarterback battle between Julian Sayan and Dylan Rayola is one that is just fascinating to me because you have two elite quarterbacks that, of course, are in the Elite 11, elite 11 finals this summer but are picking programs in the SEC in Georgia and Alabama but by far are easiest the two best quarterbacks in the country coming out. Also, two young men picking quarterback rooms that you know you're going to insert yourself into battles. Like the, the, look at the situations that they're currently in right now. Jalen Milrose, a football player that had to wait his turn, right? Even Bryce Young had to wait his turn. Carson Beck's a football player waiting his turn right now and going to get his opportunity. Stetson Bennett had to go through hell and back to get his opportunity at the University of Georgia. You're going to compete for national titles. But you're going to compete for your daggum job every single day, and you've got to be wired that way to sign up for that type of uh, environment. Um, and, and I think these kids know there's no way not to. You When you go on these visits nowadays, guys, you know this, you are immersed in that program for 36, 48 hours, right? Like You are there. You are sunken in. It is as if you are a football player in that locker room at that moment during that time. And the reason being is because they don't want any, like, shell shock moment when guys are getting coached hard or odds are looking difficult or damn this room's looking tough 
No, nah, dude, you knew what it was because you, you you got a real first look at it when you had these visits. And these kids know nowadays, like, hey, I kind of like when you sign up to go to those spots, I want to compete. I, I don't want I don't want to have to be able to ask coach if he can take the next class off when I sign. No, that's not happening at these schools. These schools like Alabama and Georgia and Ohio State, they're signing a guy every single class. It does not matter. What team would you say has the most to gain based off their potential success this season that could translate to a recruiting class? Oh, man, Florida's got to battle. Florida's got to battle hard. We watched them last night. Those guys play so hard for, for Billy Napier, and he's recruiting. I mean, I think, I think the other day I looked at it on the composite. He's got the number three overall class in 2024, led by, obviously, DJ Lagway. I don't think Lagway's going anywhere. And I think he's a really talented football player and a really good quarterback. He's going to do well. But, man, the schedule is so tough, um, not only this year, but obviously next year. And I, I do think Coach Napier is going to figure things out eventually. I just don't know if, if, if that's the environment in Gainesville where they're going to provide the leash long enough for, for guys to figure it out. But, man, he's got to get to 6-6 six and six somehow. He's got to fight, scratch, and claw his way to a 500 schedule because if it's 4-8, and eight, if it's real, real, real bad, um, you might see some matriculation in that 24 class, which, let's be honest, that, that's, that's the only bright spot, right? If you're looking for silver lining in Gainesville right now, it's, hey, Dude's got us turned around. We're going the right direction. It might not look great. It might not look great today, but tomorrow looks okay. The dimmer tomorrow looks, the shorter that leash is going to be. Yeah, I think that as far as the Florida Gators are concerned, recruiting at an all-time high, it's it's a hotbed. You've been able to flip. You've been able to get a lot of recruits. It's patience. You can't keep turning over a Southeastern Conference team every three years with coaches because it takes you another three to fix the mess that was made. And that's why people here in Auburn are, are, are like Hugh Freeze. If he wins seven games, that's great. That's something to build on. But we'll take five wins by this Auburn team as long as they're in every game fighting, scratching, and clawing because we know what he inherited at Auburn and the mess that Coach Harson left. I don't think Court. Florida has anything to gain by putting Napier out to the pasture. You know what my metric might be from now on, like with these coaches? It's obviously like on-field success. But are you like are you out here grinding on this recruiting trail? Because it's obvious, like when I see coaching staff out, you know who recruits his butt off? Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze ain't gonna have his feet kicked up in the middle of October. Hugh Freeze gonna be out recruiting. Hugh Freeze at the last moment. What was he doing this summer? He was recruiting KJ Bowden's butt like every bit he possibly could to try to get that before the closing window or the uh, signing window closed, or not the signing window, but the, the visiting window closed. Like I love watching coaches be adamant about, nah, dude. Like I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be out here. I'm gonna be out here. I'm gonna be out here all the time. Not this approach of like, nah, you can come see me or come to camp. We gotta come see you camp. No, 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 no. The winners, the winners pour the resources in. Dude, Kirby Smart won his second national title. Do you know what he did the day they touched down in Athens? The next day, all ten coaches, including himself. Him and nine of his other assistant coaches that were able to be on the trail, they each hit 10 schools. That staff, after winning their second national title, saw 100 schools in one singular day. 
Like, this stuff matters. Get out there and go see it. And if you're not doing it, then you're not going to succeed. And if you are, if you are out here grinding it out and going to see and evaluating and winning on the recruiting trail, I will give you time. I will be patient with you. And your fan base should be smart enough to see it, too. To be the man, you have to beat the man. I love wrestling. Of course, Georgia and Ric Flair synonymous with his roots there in the Atlanta area and his fondness for the Georgia Bulldog program. At the end of the day, Brooks, does Georgia three-peat? You know, I, I worry about this, and I don't, I don't know if they have this, this fear in-house, but if I were a football coach at the University of Georgia, I would worry that we wouldn't know who we are in terms of like ready to go to war because we didn't have any battles, I wouldn't know. I would be worried if I, I didn't know who I was going to be in the middle of a war until the middle of November. Like they, they might, they might legitimately not be tested. If if Auburn Week Five does not give them a sweater, like a, a four quarter, like a real battle, like not just a sparring session. I'm talking about like okay, they might have scared us like Missouri did last year. Um, and, and what it's going to require from one of these opponents is one of these opponents to show up with <clears throat> brass knuckles on their fist, man. Missouri last year showed up ready for a fist fight at the line of scrimmage, and they gave it to Georgia for three quarters, and then Georgia started to eventually matriculate the football and finish it off the end zone because they had an experienced quarterback and an, uh, a settled football team and an accomplished football team. We don't know if that's the case this year, and we're not going to find out potentially until maybe, like I said, Auburn week five, maybe Ole Miss gets them at home or sneaks up on them at home before they go to Knoxville in November uh, to face Tennessee. But, man, that would be my concern. Do we know if we are battle-tested before we are ready to go into a war? Brooks Austin, can't thank you enough for your time as we get ready to see the Georgia Bulldogs in action and start to try to go ahead and keep that king of college football mentality, King Kirby, reigning supreme until someone knocks him off the top of it. How can everyone follow all of your outstanding, not only high school and recruiting coverage, but your Georgia Bulldog coverage also? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, at Brooks Austin BA. And if you're, if you're watching the YouTube content, I got a pretty good YouTube channel as well. You can check it out at the Film Guy Network. Appreciate you, boys. We'll talk to you soon. Brooks Austin joining us this afternoon here on the final drive again. He's the director of recruiting for Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation and lead editor for Dogs Daily. And we'll see if his prediction holds through to where does Auburn scare Georgia in the Deep South's oldest robbery? Does Tennessee scare them? Or do they have to wait until the SEC championship game to ultimately be tested in December? We'll have answers to those questions as the weeks continue to evolve. We'll be right back here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Hi, this is Bo Mattingly, co-producer of Training Days, Rolling with the Tide. You're listening to WNSP 105.5 Mobile. little segment here and look we've done the big picture predictions right talking about who we have making the playoff the championship who's going to finish at the top but let's do some i guess smaller potatoes type predictions let's just do some predictions for this weekend specifically the sec now look my guy Corey. he might sound like he's on a tin can right now but he's just in the car 
but we still can't we gotta get his picks in so that if he's wrong we can roast him come Monday. Corey, are you ready to make these predictions? Fire away, Nick Wiggins. Fire away, Triple G. All right. Nothing too crazy really here week one. So we got Kentucky and they have Ball State coming out there. I think we both can agree Kentucky's winning that game, right? Absolutely, and they'll cover. All right, you got Virginia coming out to Tennessee. What are you thinking about there? I, I'm going with Tennessee, obviously. Tennessee, and they'll cover. Western Carolina comes out to Arkansas. Arkansas is definitely going to win. The Razorbacks will be razor sharp, and they'll get another W for the SEC. Now, Mercer's playing Ole Miss. Mercer won that FCS opening game against North Alabama. Ole Miss is a little bit tougher of an opponent. Ole Miss is going to take that one. Without question, Lane Kiffin, he's going to go ahead and put on a show for everyone. And really, North Alabama is definitely not Ole Miss. I think that Lane Kiffin has a lot of success and Ole Miss wins big. UMass comes out to Auburn. Auburn's a 35-point favorite. Got to rock with Auburn, at least winning that game. This is one of the most exciting games for Auburn to open up the Hugh Freeze era. And Jordan-Hare Stadium's been sold out before, but knowing what's at stake here for Auburn moving forward, man, Auburn's going to win big, too. And then just quickly, you got Southeastern Louisiana at Mississippi State, Tennessee Martin at Georgia, and MTSU, uh, Middle Tennessee at Alabama, New Mexico at A&M. Those are all 30-point or more favorites. I think we have the SEC running the gauntlet on those games, right? Yeah, they, they will. As you know, it's disappointing that Florida wasn't able to come away with the W for the Southeastern Conference, Missouri represented the Southeastern Conference in their opener last night. But, yeah, as far as those games, all those teams will cover all those spreads throughout the SEC. Really, there's only two really good SEC, SEC games this weekend, North Carolina at South Carolina and LSU Florida State. Who are you rocking with in those two games, man? I really love Coach Beamer, Coach I think he's done a fabulous job with the excitement in that program. Spencer Rattler, I really love him as a quarterback and having a chance to sit down and talk to him at SEC Media Days. South Carolina takes care of business and will have bragging rights over Mac Brown and North Carolina. All right, man, I'm, I'm rocking with South Carolina, too, and you know I've, I've talked so highly of LSU, so I got to pick LSU over Florida State. But, look, even if LSU loses to Florida State, they're not going to lose another game, and they'll still make the playoffs. It's early for LSU, but they have had the miscues on their mind of one year ago, the special team blunders that started off the Brian Kelly era that had so many LSU fans saying, man, we get this guy with a bad accent and bad special teams play. Send him back to Notre Dame after one game last year was the thought of a lot of LSU fans. But can they turn that tide? Will they turn it? Yes, they will. They will defeat the Florida State Seminoles. I don't think it will be a shootout, 
like we were told earlier by Jake Crane, right. 30-something points by each team. I think it will maybe in the mid-20s, but definitely not in the high 30s. Corey, I appreciate it, man. Enjoy the weekend, and I'll see you on Monday. I wouldn't want to work on a holiday with anyone else. Absolutely, and of course, Big Skin Pete, I'll be calling in tonight to give updates from Davidson and really talk calling about post-game play as well. But Nick Wiggins, you're absolutely right, man. We'll be laboring on Labor Day, but who better to do it with and what better topic to talk about than college football? That's right, man. I'll talk to you then. Thanks. All right, guys. Like last week when 530 rolls around, that's when the degenerates come out. That's when we start throwing money on the table. It's gambling time. We're going to be talking with Cooper Cox, the self-proclaimed sports prophet, coming up next. Hi, this is Cornelius Bennett, three-time All-American College Football Hall of Fame, and you're listening to WNSP. Welcome back to the final drive. And guys, before the weekend starts, you know what we got to do? We got to try and get a little money. And guys, when I say the word profit, what pops into your head? Is it a guy that has wisdom and wants to share it with others? Is it making money and getting a return on your investment? Well, our next guest, he's a little bit of both. Cooper Cox, at SportsProfit underscore on Twitter, Twitter, the SportsProfit, joins us now. Cooper, how's it going, man? Hey, Nick, how's it going? Happy to be on. Uh, best time of year is finally here. Ready to get into it. Yes, sir. That's right, man. Well, look, we're down here in Mobile, Alabama, right? You know, this is Alabama football country. Big spread here. Big, uh, you know, blowout game against Middle Tennessee. What bets are you liking in that game? Yeah, so I'm going to do my best here to, uh, you know, potentially give out a lean and and give some good information on the game. I can't promise that, you know, I don't want to promise anything that uh, that I don't feel great about. So um, just looking at the game uh, from a glance here, uh, yeah, Alabama's favored by 39 here uh, at home, which is understandable. Alabama's done pretty well uh, historically in games like this. Um, Middle Tennessee, claim to fame recently anyways you know they went to Boca and uh, beat Miami Florida the Hurricanes down there 45 to 31 last season um, so you know I could potentially see I've seen a lot of people looking at taking Middle Tennessee here but uh, because of the returners but uh, they lose their quarterback uh, Chase Cunningham will not be returning uh, 3,000 yard pass or 21 TDs um, Vatiato is going to be taking his place there. Um, defense returns eight. Um, but still, you know, this is one of those that the line is 39 for a reason, uh, in my opinion. Um, even with some question marks uh, in Tuscaloosa, um, I'm sure you guys are familiar 
with what's going on with the program right now. Nick Saban didn't even release a depth chart uh, for the first time since he's been there, I think. Um, so we're kind of having to make some assumptions at this point. Um, Jalen Milrow should be the number one at quarterback. Uh, Ty Simpson, I guess, right now is looking like he'll be the backup. I wouldn't be surprised to see some shared time there. Um, but for me, if I'm going to give a lean on this one, you know, you have relative inexperience at the quarterback position for Alabama in comparison to years past. Obviously, Bryce Young has gone uh, to the NFL. You don't have receivers like they've had in Tuscaloosa before, you know, guys like Ruggs and Waddle and Devontae Smith. They're not there. So, um, if I'm going to take a spot with this, both programs are looking at new quarterbacks coming in. I would have to lean to the under, uh, especially given the new rule change in college football where the clock does not stop on first downs now. Right. Um, we've seen some unders. We've seen some love for unders. So, again, that's not the most exciting play. Everyone's not in love with unders, but it's the only direction I would go there. Do you think that that new rule with the clock stoppage is going to play a big effect and lead to, you know, a lot of unders here this season and in the future? Yeah, that's a great question. So, um, you know, odds makers are, are, are really good for the most part. So they were aware of the rule. Uh, week zero lines and week one lines have been out for a while now. And um, I think there is a case to be made that they didn't quite adjust their lines enough for the clock stoppage rule. Um, of course, after week one, they pretty much reboot totals for the next week. Uh, so I do think we will see some adjustment. But, you know, some some of the math guys that I've seen that I know that, that are really good at this and some of the math resources that I use have said that that is affecting totals as much as three and a half to four points a game. And I think it's potentially more than that, depending on what style of offense uh, your team is running. So, like, if you're looking at a team like a service academy program that wants to inch the ball down the field and, and they're running two or three plays to get a first down, the clock is not going to stop. I mean, you're talking about, what, 30, 25 to 35 seconds anytime uh, your offense is getting a first down and the clock is no longer stopping. So I do think that there are some early opportunities in week zero and week one, which is obviously this weekend, to uh, take advantage of some unders, which I will be on. But uh, eventually you have to expect uh, odds makers to adjust. What information can you give our listeners that are maybe wanting to bet on that Auburn Tigers game against UMass? Yeah, so um, – Obviously, Auburn, you know, new new uh, new sheriff in town, Hugh Freeze, comes in from Liberty. Um, I think Auburn fans are probably okay, you know, probably pleased with the hire. I, I think it's a good hire personally. Um, but he's got bigger bigger issues right now. Only one player back on the off offensive side of the ball. Uh, quarterback Robbie Ashford comes in, or returns, sorry, uh, as their only returning player on offense. Defense, they've got seven players back, which is a little bit better. Uh, situation to work with there. They're hosting UMass. Um, if you are familiar with college football, then you know UMass has been uh, perennially one of the worst programs in college football for the last five years or so since they've been an FBS program. 35-point um, favorites here uh, for Auburn, um, which is understandable. I mean, you still have an SEC roster. Um, even though you've only returned, you know, one guy on, on offense, you still have definitely a huge talent advantage. Um, 
you know, again, I, I hate to give out leans uh, and, and sides where, where I don't feel great, but uh, UMass, they've got to be feeling good. Uh, they, they, they got their first win and their, only their third win in the last two seasons. Uh, last week uh, at New Mexico State, they won outright as a seven-point underdog. But they ran, 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 uh, including quarterback runs. Um, uh, Taysen um, Promotion, I think is how you pronounce his name. He, he's got a difficult name to pronounce, but he ran the ball a lot, too, as a quarterback. And so I don't see them having as much success, obviously, against an SEC-caliber defense. I would only look to Auburn here. And, and again, I'm sorry about this, but I would only look to the under, um, which – you know, I, I, I hate to give out a bunch of unders. It's not the most fun side to be on, but that's the only way I would look here once again. Hey, man, the best side to be on is on the profitable side. Uh, look, we're talking, right. we're talking with Cooper Cox, thesportsprofit.com, and at sportsprofit underscore on Twitter. So those are both blowout games, right? But let's talk about a legitimately good, maybe 50-50 game, and that's LSU and Florida State University. How are you feeling about that? Yeah, this one, uh, you've got to say game of the week, right? I mean, oh, a huge rematch. Um, these two met, I think it was on Sunday night last year to open the season. Um, of course, that was in Baton Rouge. This one will be at a neutral site, uh, in quotations, uh, in Orlando, because obviously Orlando is a lot closer to uh, Tallahassee than it is to Baton Rouge. So, um, But here we have LSU as a favorite, a currently a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, this game into 24-23 to 23 last year was a, was an absolute nail-biter. Um, both teams had good good seasons. LSU was 10-4. and four. Um, Their season was clearly identified and, and stamped by their victory over Alabama at home. Uh, if LSU can beat Alabama any year, it's, it's basically a success, regardless of, of, of the rest of the year almost. Um, so, uh, Florida State also had a great season, won their bowl game against OU. Um, and look, th this game should be a close spread. I mean, neither team should be favored by a touchdown here, in my opinion. But if I had to like a side more than the other, I like that Florida State is playing close to home. Um, so it's not, I mean, it's technically a neutral side game, but it's obviously it's going to be a more Florida State crowd there, uh, likely. Um, I like that they're getting points in a game like this. And to be honest with you, something that we like to look at as handicappers is how many games did, you know, team A or team B win that were really close and how many of those games did the bounces go their way? Because, you know, some seasons – all the bounces go your way and, and, and you win games that maybe you shouldn't have, or, uh, you know, you won all the close games. Um, and LSU won a lot of close games last year. Um, so, and, and then other than that, Florida state might legitimately be the more balanced side of the two. I mean, they're, they're, they're going to have a fantastic defense, uh, should have a great offense. Almost everybody returning Jordan Travis, uh, top two receivers, best, you know, you know number one running back. Um, so I think if I had to lean to a side there, I would lean Florida State, and I'd probably go ahead and just play them on the money line, plus 115, give me the plus money with Florida State. Um, I think they provide a matchup challenge for LSU as well. If you look at the games that LSU lost last season, um, they lost against Florida State. 
they got blown out at home by a, a really good spread offense, Tennessee, 40-13. to 13. Uh, They lost to Texas A&M, and then they lost to Georgia late in the season, although there were some injuries involved in that one. But, yeah, I've got to look at, at, at the Seminoles here, um, and that's the way I would, I, I would lean for sure. I hate to hear that, man. I got LSU going, uh, finishing at number two, man. But, uh, hey, look, I've been get, catching a lot of flack for saying that down here. But, hey, look, I'm, I, I, I respect your opinion and your expertise for sure. Well, look, man, so we talked about, you know, some of the SEC teams, right? You know, I, I, I think I've hit my quota of mentioning Alabama and Auburn today. But I want to hear your own personal. What is your best bet this weekend, man? Yeah, so um, I, I am excited to give out a best bet uh, on the show. I'm, I'm going to have a lot more plays officially, obviously, uh, for clients uh, at thesportsprofit.com. But uh, pleased to give out a, a best bet here that actually, you know, there will be some regional f- uh, familiarity uh, with, with, with your listeners down there. Um, I'm looking at the game between South Alabama and Tulane. Um, I think this is the game of the week as far as group of five schools are considered, uh, you know, sm- smaller conferences. I, I think this is going to be a fantastic game. Obviously, Tulane off of one of the best bowl games we've ever seen. Uh, they took down USC in the Cotton Bowl. Uh, that was a ton of fun. I mean, I, I, I enjoyed the game. I actually cashed a ticket on Tulane in that one and cashed a ticket on the over. So um, I like this Tulane team. I don't want to discredit them by any means. Uh, however, um, they lose they lose their top two receivers and arguably the best player, one of the best players that's ever played for Tulane uh, and running back Tajay Spears. He's off to the Tennessee Titans, and I think he's going to be a great pro. I think he's really that good. Um, so it's going to be difficult to replace him. And look, anytime you go from ten and two like Tulane was in twenty twenty one to twelve and two. Like we mentioned earlier with LSU, some bounces are going your way. And, you know, professionally, we look at that and, and we expect naturally some negative regression to, to occur. It's just, it's just how it goes. Um, so, um, South Alabama, really, really good squad. 10-3 and three last year. They're returning 10 of their 11 starters uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Carter Bradley, uh, very good quarterback, very efficient, one of the most efficient quarterbacks uh, in FBS last season. Um, great receiving core, and, and I love what Cam Womack has done there uh, just in, in, in a short time of being there. He's really, he's really turned it around and uh, done some great things. But overall, the point is this. Um, I don't think this spread should be anywhere near a touchdown. I think that Tulane's value going into the season could potentially be a little bit inflated because of that huge bowl win over USC. Uh, I mean, it was exciting, like I said, but they probably win that game three or four out of ten times. It's not like they win that game all the time as an underdog. So things went their way to to have such a great year. Uh, They've got more to replace than South Alabama does, and I, I honestly see South Alabama being in this game and with a chance to win it um you know when, when, when the fourth quarter rolls around cooper that's what everyone down here wants to hear if if anyone down here wants to continue following your elite sports betting coverage where can they look you up and keep up to date with what you're doing 
Yeah, it's, it's an exciting time of the year. With uh, you know, we've got mostly FBS versus FCS games this week, but that won't stop us from finding uh, advantages in the market. Um, those lines move fast, so if you want to get in on the action, um, it's at thesportsprofit.com. And uh, like you mentioned earlier, I'm on Twitter at uh, sportsprofit underscore. All right, man. Well, hey, I appreciate it. And look, I'll be tailing you. Hopefully. The profit can turn me a profit. All right, let's cash some tickets. All right, man, take it easy. All right, guys. That was not professional uh, financial advice. Just having a little fun. But, hey, if you do win some money, send some my way because I'm the one who told you to do it. And if you lose money and your wife's upset, I didn't do it. I'm innocent. One more segment. Quick one. We're going to wrap it up. And then Labor Day weekend starts. And look, I know not everyone's off on Monday. My first responders, my service workers, me. We're all going to be out there grinding. And we'll have a nice show for you to listen to while you do it. This is the final drive. We'll be right back. This is Brad Nessler, and you're listening to WNSP 105.5 in Mobile. Welcome back to the final segment of the final drive. Guys, got a lot of great high school stuff going down tonight. St. Paul's McGill. You got the pigskin preview show coming up right after me. The postgame show going all the way to midnight. And all the little piglets all around town with their calling updates of every game in the county. So you're going to want to stay locked into 105.5 or on the Sound of Mobile app. Because, man, on the Sound of Mobile app, anyone can join. It's like it's a, it's a public forum. If you're at a game, wherever you are, you can drop in that app. Hey, this is the update here. And you and it's like you're like a, a little uh, sports reporter. Be a sports reporter for a day. You can be that if you want. If not, you can be lame. You can be a loser. But I choose not to be. I'm going to be at the Mobile Christian game tonight. Hopefully they can go 2-0. and But we'll see. We shall see. Guys, it's been a fun show. Talked to Jake Crane. I got harassed by you guys and accused of being on methamphetamines because of my Final Four college football prediction. Let me break it down for you guys again. And for those of you in the car on the way to the high school game, I want you to marinate on this throughout the weekend, and then we'll talk about it on Monday. Guy in the app, what was the last caller's Twitter handle? The Sports Profit. The Sports Profit with an underscore. But look, this is how, how it's going to go down. Texas is going to beat Alabama, and then they are going to have an undefeated season. They will finish the season as the number one team in America. LSU, 
They are going to go to the SEC championship to face the undefeated Georgia Bulldogs. They are going to beat Georgia. And that's what's going to leapfrog Texas to now being one. Georgia will drop to three. And LSU will now be your number two team in the nation. And number four is going to be Michigan. Then, once we get into the college football playoff, Texas, the one seed, is going to face Michigan, the four seed. And Michigan is going to win. The toughest opponent that Texas is going to face is not Alabama. It will be Michigan in the playoff. LSU and Georgia, the 2-3, they will have a rematch of the SEC championship. This time, Georgia's going to win. This will send Georgia to their third straight national championship game. But do they win three straight? No, they do not. They are not going to win three straight. Michigan, yes, the Michigan Wolverines. Jim Harbaugh is going to finally win a national championship by defeating Kirby Smart and halting the three-peat. That's what's going to happen, people. And how do I know? Because I'm confident. And there's a difference between confidence and cockiness. Or maybe it's a little bit of ignorance. Either or. You have to have all of those to be successful. Because people are going to tell you, oh, come on, man. You really think that's going to happen? It's Nick Saban, man. Alabama. No, man. I follow my gut. And right now my gut is full of that honey pimento pepper chicken sandwich that they got at Chick-fil-A now. Wasn't too bad. I think I prefer the lettuce and tomato myself. But guys, Labor Day weekend, it's here. High school football, here it comes. College football. And man, the NFL starts next week. It is a great time to be a football fan. It's a great time to have my job. I'm going to have endless topics to talk about. So, until Monday, everyone, I'll talk to you guys then. But do not turn that dial. Do not close out of that app because Pigskin Pete is back from vacation. And it is time for some high school football. For Corey LeBounty, I'm Nick Wiggins. This has been the final drive. I'll talk to you guys Monday. Thank <laughs> you.